So three, baby. They didn't think that we'd last this long, but we proved them wrong. Uh, is this going to be our final episode? Might be. The corporate overlords at uh, Ram Nintendo HQ uh, just might do that to us. Uh, the person who is in contact with them the most, though, Jason, is to my virtual left. Hello. I am the man, and yes. My, <laughs> yeah, and to virtual my virtual right, I, we got uh, Angel. That's me, Angel. That, that's him, Angel, and uh, yeah, Jason's our our liaison with uh, with corporate with uh, R R and HQ, and uh, he's a, he's also our HR. So. You know what sucks with R and HQ? They don't pay us. <laughs> yeah, I, do I, was, that Jason I was trying to them every year to keep. Yeah, I pay R and HQ a lot, <laughs> and I don't get but anything in return. <laughs> Have you thought about asking them for that sweet, sweet raid Shadow Legends money? You know, I could pass it along. I know, and there's like new. It's weird because I've never met RNHQ either. It's like the, the you know when you like go into a boardroom and like in a movie, it's just those figure, those like blacked out, like shadowy figures around a table. That's them. I don't know just, if they're fake. Hold, hold on. What have 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 you ever seen uh, RNHQ and Angel in the same room? Are you saying secretly Angel? Is the man we've been trying to stick it to that I thought I was? I'm not. I'm just, you know, you, you're just, you're just never going that. That's true. I've, I've never seen him in the same room. To be fair, I to to be fair, I I never see Angel and Batman in the same room either. So uh, that's true. I've seen yeah. statues of Batman in the same room as Angel, but I've never seen Batman himself. Angel, would you like to comment? I would like to neither comment or deny. I'm pleading the fifth. You can, uh, you can, you cannot confirm nor deny. Yeah, there you go. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm pleading the fifth. There you go. Yeah. Well. All right. Perfect. So today's episode is me, Kevin, and Batman. Is what I'm hearing. I'm not. Uh, <laughs> no, it's a, no. <laughs> I. Batman. No. I'm. I'm okay with Batman. Okay. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> Today, uh, we're gonna be talking. We're gonna be talking some uh, some video games. We're gonna be talking some some movies, uh, music. After uh, well, last week we we barely did any games. Last week was was a not last week. Last episode was was a very movie heavy mm-hmm. heavy episode. Uh, I think this one's a little bit more balanced. Like I said, I'm gonna be talking a little Final Fantasy fourteen. We're gonna be talking some movies with Angel. Jason, we're gonna be talking some music, which we didn't do last episode, mm-hmm. and some some anime, which did we do last? Episode? I don't think we did, so. right? Did uh, we? I, I don't, don't think so. I don't think so. Or we we did a we did Ghibli, right? No, I was gonna do Ghibli, but we ended up or was that not talking about it. Uh, we spent I I monopolized so much time on HBO Max and streaming that I think we cut Ghibli on the fly. Yeah, because I so talked I about two movies so, to Ghibli. Yeah. We didn't talk about any anime or any movies. No worries, no worries. Uh, well, let's let's get to it. First on the docket, uh, Final Fantasy fourteen. I started playing this. Angel, you also started playing this, right? Yep. My first, the, the yeah. first MMO that I'm actually, you know, trying to actually invest, that I'm actually deciding to invest time in. Like I've played, right, right. I've touched on RuneScape. I think that's what it was called. Very lightly, like mm-hmm. a long time ago, and I just remember my brother and I just like just annoying people, just like following people everywhere. But we did it. We I, I would hardly say like I played it, but 
yeah, it's it's kind of daunting. There's definitely a lot to it's it's just interesting how different it is from a normal video game. But I will say though, it's something about seeing like actual players just running around, minding their own business, and knowing that I may not, most likely not, even interact with most of them. I don't know. It, it just mm-hmm. makes it feel like a living, breathing world. It's, there's something kind of magical about that. That maybe that's yeah. Uh, so so this is also my first uh, real MMO. And I, I mean, listeners of Random Nintendo might know that I, I love the Destiny series. And like recently, Destiny just isn't doing it, doing it for me nowadays. Side note: the current season actually sounds really cool, and the next expansion also it's sounds the really Stadia cool. The Stadia one, right? And the one that got announced with Stadia? No, no. They no, last no. week announced um, another new thing, one, right? They're doing a well, yearly they announced an expansion, right? And it's gonna be yearly. They announced it through like twenty twenty two, didn't they? Well, yeah. So, so they've always announced. Uh, their yearly expansions around this time of the year, but this is the first time that they actually announced next year's expansion and the year uh, after that. Which is it's interesting. Like the first time, yeah, which is really interesting. It basically uh, means no Destiny 3 anytime soon. Definitely means no yeah. Destiny 3, which I'm of two minds. But so, something that, that Destiny and uh, and I guess Final Fantasy 14 have in common is that it's, it, it's my favorite type of game one where I could just like mindlessly do quests and stuff while like listening to a podcast, having a drink or two, and oh man, this game's going to ruin me. I don't know how you feel about it, Angel, but it, it took me twenty seven years to figure out that MMOs are literally the perfect genre for me. Really? Damn. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. I mean <laughs> yeah. better late than never. Yeah, so like I'd never wanted to get into World of Warcraft because like I do like the final the the Final Fantasy genre, but the the fantasy genre, uh, but its art style never really grabbed me. I know you like to play a lot of Hearthstone. How do you feel about that, like art style? Um, I mean, Hearthstone definitely tunes up, and like, and I mean like T O O N S, like tunes up the the already yeah, okay kind of cartoony art style of Hearth. I mean, of Hearthstone of World of Warcraft. I mean, some cards definitely yeah. look on model, but for the most part, especially with every expansion, I feel like they tunify them more. And, I mean, that obviously appeals more to me because everything looks more animated. But, um... Right. I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I I honestly like the art style. Like, I guess it does appeal to me because mm-hmm. it is already kind of cartoony. And, I mean, for lack of a better term, I mean, the Final Fantasy art style just feels like generic RPG to me. Okay. But not that it's, but, not that it looks ugly. I mean, I, everything looks like... At least from what I've barely seen, like, some of the buildings in the city. I'm in some, like, grass town. Like everything is, everything yeah. is really pretty. Like the enemies look awesome. Like the armor is highly detailed. But you know, like I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if you were to put up like Raid Shadow Legends character and someone from Final Fantasy 14, <laughs> I like they would probably look. You pretty wouldn't similar. be able yeah. to tell the difference. Question right. for you though: Do they do actually two things? One, Raid Shadow Legends better pass. We keep talking about <laughs> Two, <laughs> no, do they so do? Already. They better hit us up. Seriously, yeah. RNHQ, let's get on this. But no, did um, do they have the tropes? Like, I made the joke, like, a minute ago, like, chocobos. Like, do they actually have, like... Because, you know, Final Fantasies are also different, except chocobos and, like, other certain characters and certain creatures show up. Are those in fourteen? Is that the only, like, thread back to regular Final Fantasy? Or is there actually something more I mean, Final Fantasy about it? I haven't played a Final Fantasy game, so I can't really say. But, I mean... There's like a giant crystal at the center of a town, and I know the crystal is usually in every game, like the upside down diamond. I mean, 
Is that? Yeah. I mean, moguls have are there. Have you met anyone named Sid? Because I think Sid is another trope where there's always a guy named Sid. Have you met Sid? Is there a Sid? No. I, 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 so I think I've been playing for about 20 hours now. I, I have not met Sid. I've I've already met up with the Chuckbos. There's nothing necessarily too Final Fantasy about it. Hmm. Like, if this didn't have uh, the Final Fantasy name attached to it, I wouldn't be able to say, like, oh, this this, uh, this Final Fantasy. Right, like, right. Even if you remove the, the Chocobos. But but there are, like, threads. Like, you, you obviously have your potions. Uh, you use uh, Phoenix Downs and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So... So it's 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 less of a it's more of the style of of I I don't, I don't know if style would be maybe the skin of Final Fantasy just like yeah. an MMO right okay yeah because this is yeah. it's such a departure from the series as curious how they tried to relay it back because yeah, I mean cause so far a fourteen I mean, versus a spinoff like Crystal Chronicles or Tactics because I mean so far I mean it, it feels very MMO ish although. I guess I say that with a grain of salt because I don't really have a lot of MMOs to go on, just what I've seen from media. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it seems like everything is there, like people, like, you know, forming groups for raids. Well, I guess not even raids, for quests. And, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. So, I, I like I said, I didn't want to get into World of Warcraft because the art style never grabbed me. And, I mean, there's also, like, Star Wars, The Old Republic. But I'm not a Star Wars guy. I, I, I don't know if you are. If you guys are? No. Not enough to play Old Republic. No, yeah. So, I mean, I finally decided to give this a try because Newegg had the game on sale for, like, $30. Mm-hmm. And it was with, like, the base game and all the content, like, all the expansions, which are, like, these huge three expansions. Um, and for $30, yeah. I, there is, a there is a like, a, a subscription, as with a lot of MMOs. Uh, I actually don't know if World of Warcraft got rid of their subscription, their monthly subscription. I'm pretty sure it's still uh, a thing. 15... Yeah, I, I gotta imagine same. it's a thing, right? I mean, last I, yeah, last so, I looked a couple so years I ago, think... it was still a thing. Yeah, so I think you still gotta pay $15 a month for this, but I mean, I'm not gonna mind if I have like so much content to do. Uh, like, from what I've heard, the newest expansion, Shadowbringers, apparently just doesn't have one of the best MMO stories or one of the best Final Fantasy stories. It just has one of the best stories in recent video game memory. Huh. Huh. So, like, I so I can't wait to get to that content like two years from now. Once I'm <laughs> once I'm finally done with the with the other expansions. Uh, what I'm finding really fun about it personally is uh, I'm actually role playing, which I guess that's where the RP and MMORPG comes from. Mm-hmm. But uh, I gave my character this obnoxious as hell pompadour that starts pink at like the base of his at the base of the hair and slowly turns like blonder the higher it gets i named him kevin bromey because he's a bro <laughs> uh he's a he's a pugilist which is basically like the fighting class uh-huh. um or like the monk class and uh and his whole deal is that he doesn't believe in swords to fight he'd rather just use his hands because he's a man of honor uh I'm I'm like giving Kevin Bromey a, like a like a backstory. I'm trying to make him a womanizer to uh, everything that I basically am not. So 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 that's fun. Uh, Angel, I think you chose the healer. Yeah, I'm the right scholar. We said that we need a healer. Yeah. So uh, so how's that going for you? Because because I, like my character has obviously fighting like fighting moves. He doesn't use any mana. Uh, what is what does the healer do? I mean, I I I, I love the hero. I mean, the healer. The healer. I mean, yeah, the scholar. 
I mean, first of all, like my character, his name is um, Legna Odalas. It's just my first and last name backwards. And hmm. um, very fitting. And nice it, cover. It, it sounded very like high fantasy, so I was like, oh, that sounds cool. But um, he is—he's like this huge, giant, like jacked-up dude. Like he looks like he was made for like the pits of like a like of gladiators. But yeah, he's a scholar, so he's a he's a magician. Oh, not a magician, a mage. He's a he's a he's a he's a gentle giant. Yeah, exactly. Like people will see him and be like, "Oh, damn, he wants to fight, but he really doesn't. He just wants to support and just like get out of conflict." But um, right. but being the healer is cool. I mean, I love that I already get to use um like wind spells, stone spells, and healing. It's very I could get I, okay, I could yeah, fight, I could fight from long distance, which I definitely prefer. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's because um it's less things to memorize, but typically I tend to gravitate towards things that require less amount of inputs or things that don't require me to crumble right. a lot. And I love that the scholar class just has like just really powerful spells that I could just use. I could just kind of mm-hmm. lean on without having to string things together. It's just, all right, just keep using this, heal. It's a little simpler. Also because, like, I guess in our work-from-home life, um, I guess even if it wasn't work-from-home, like over the past month, I've been I've, I've structured my weeks pretty strictly. So I literally only give myself like an hour on Monday, Tuesday, and Sunday to play the MMO, which I feel is really nice, but I know I'm not going to progress as much. But I do like having right. that that set amount of time because it makes me want to be more productive when I'm playing. Like, actually looking for, like, oh, where's the next quest? Where's, where'd I have to go? And I don't know. It's fun. Also, I don't know why. I just really enjoy seeing people just, like, running around like crazy, like, to and fro. Doing their own thing. Yeah. And they have pets. I want yeah, a pet. So, like, at- the heck? <laughs> oh yeah, I, I think I think last night I finally got the option to to get a. I think they're called companions, so can't wait to to unlock that. But like as far as the questing goes, it, like so far for me, I don't know about for you, considering that you started off in a different starting area than that, than I did, and you're all completely different class. My like the quest so far is like the standard, like go kill uh, this amount of enemies, yeah, sort of fetch quests, go find this person, the same thing. Yeah, find a person, yeah, kill twenty like, mushroom things. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know about you, but that's my jam. Like, just, just mindlessly, <laughs> like manual labor, killing enemies. Yeah, like, oh, it 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 satisfies me in a way, in like a strange way. I don't know how. Like, do you guys feel the, the same way about those kinds of games, or like, is there I any mean, genre that fills you with like that kind of satisfaction? I mean, like, the way you're kind of describing it kind of feels like what, like that's what Rhythm Heaven does for me. Just like it's super simple, and mm-hmm. like I just immediately get into it, and I could just kind of zone out to it. But um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, perfect. That, that that perfect. Like, do you guys have that perfect zone out game? So you have Rhythm Heaven. I have like destiny and, and now this i feel like i'm stealing angel's answer but warioware has always been like that for me like the in a weird way like questing and all stuff you got to talk about and you're saying you know how you're playing 20 hours and you're just getting to this one point or another point like for me that grind just does not do it like pokemon's probably the most grindy thing i'll do and that's you know you don't even have to grind in that but like the simple pick up and play when you can just jump right in and just go like that, like I can kind of zen out to that, or like WarioWare, I mean, or, or even you know, back on the regular like Ram Nintendo podcast, we were talking about what the golf, and that had kind of that similar vibe for me too, where it's just like something where it's like pick up and play, but like it gets real like weird within it, like that usually just does it for me. Hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, like like so yeah, so so I guess 
yeah, I'm I'm in I'm in like Zen mode when when you know I just gotta go kill some ladybugs. And, <laughs> like, I remember I remember last Sunday I think I decided to play for about an hour before I had to like start driving to work, and I finished the quest and I just thought to myself, all right, let me just do one more. Then I finished that one and I got another quest. And I was like, oh, okay, let me. Do, I'm I'm pretty sure that I could finish this one pretty quickly. And uh, before you know it, I was hauling ass to work because I just one more quested a little too much to the point where I was going to be late. It's <laughs> like, yeah, it's like, like, yeah, it, it's, it's awesome. Then the other day uh, I got home from work and started playing. I, I think I started playing at four and then eventually Angel, your brother, like joined me in the voice chat. He's like, oh, how are you doing? I was like, oh, I've been playing like Final Fantasy. I was like, oh, what time do you start? I was like. I was like, oh, I started at 4. He goes, whoa. And I was like, what? And then I look at the clock, and it was like midnight. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I don't know like, if I have a game that is now in that same way. Like, I'm, I'm, there's some nope, I get lost nothing. in, but not for six hours. That's that's impressive. That is a true well, zen I, state. Well, I guess because you you guys, your, your jobs are a little more, I guess, involved with uh, – you know, I, my, my job is – I mean, I could definitely do that I'm, on the weekends too. Worth, I mean, like – a lot of like really difficult platformers like Super Meat Boy or um mm-hmm. what was the other one that I was talking about? Or even like stuff like um like Resident Evil, like I once I'm getting into them, like I'll definitely disregard all time and food or whatever and just continue playing just because you get in the zone. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this is Are like, you are you especially fighting games, I mean oh, I could just ahead. play Smash Brothers for hours if I'm not care- if I'm not too careful. Mm, okay. Uh just rolling back are you allowed to talk about what you feel about resident evil 8 i don't believe so at least not yet you do not believe so oh okay gotcha, which gotcha. is likewise for everyone wondering why we're dead silent on ps5 <laughs> is the red dot on your forehead right now can you feel it um no common name all right that means it is <laughs> all right no i want to live no worries, no worries. Live. Uh, <laughs> yeah yeah, but like like I said, I just won more quests too much, and my my sleep schedule is already ruined, and I feel like this is just gonna make it worse. <laughs> and I know this is like the ultimate first world problem, but but yeah, th- this game is absolutely going to ruin my life with with just how much time I'm gonna put into it. Maybe I just need another hobby so that I'm not. I just I just need to do more productive things. But just to counterbalance it, but the I, other day I was at work. I think you could definitely play this game a ton and not and you shouldn't feel bad about it, but. It would be a good idea to mm-hmm. find something not game related because, I mean, I know like I was definitely taken aback a little when my brother was telling me that the subscription was like fifteen bucks, and I was like, oh, I don't know if I want to pay that right now just because, it kind of made me realize that, for about a year straight, a year and a half, I was buying, the minimum pre pre order amount for the every Hearthstone expansion, which ends up being around like sixty gotcha. to eighty bucks. And they come up with a new expansion every oh, three months. And and keep in mind, I didn't have to do this because usually I play so much that I get enough, like I build up enough coins to get like 70 to 80 free packs. And I just buy like another right. 60 on top just because um, my brother-in-law and I, we would go to these fireside gatherings in downtown LA at, at a bar and we would just drink and play with other people in person and we get to open the packs early and we do like these special side mm-hmm. events. So it's really fun. It's like, it makes buying the packs worth it, but that also ends up coming out to like, it's like I'm paying twenty bucks a month to play Hearthstone. But, Those were hosted by 
Blizzard themselves, right? Those um, fireside things, like they were like of, sanctioned it, it's events, like right? Nintendo ambassador kind of deal. Like they have people oh, that gotcha. applied, and if they hosted enough events, they get official Blizzard merch sent to them, and then they, when they host the events, can give cool. them out as prizes. And that's really it, good community building, and it's awesome. I mean, everyone's super friendly, and I've managed to get like a nice collectible pin for each one. But I also right. kind of really just want to get to Legend Class of Hearthstone so I can stop playing it, and then I would feel okay paying fifteen bucks a month, especially because. I mean, I don't feel bad paying that amount for Hearthstone because I play it so much that it easily justifies the price. I mean, God knows how many hours I've like sank into that game, but and I'm sure I'm sure you can find out. Oh no, I know I can. I don't think he wants to find out. <laughs> I mean, um, I'll, I'll let you. I'll I'll quickly like do like a very rough estimate just based on how many games I've played, and then I'll give you a quick answer in a bit. But yeah, but that's... Do you, like, you crunch think, some numbers? <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna to crunch some quick numbers while, while you tell us more about Final Fantasy. I, I think... Uh, no, I, th- I think I'm done with Final Fantasy, but, but what I was going to say is I remember uh, there's, a, there's a website called destinytracker.com and I remember for the first game when, when, when that came out, like towards the end of that game's life cycle, I looked at how many hours and I put in well over a thousand hours. Wow. And I'm... And I almost hit a thousand hours on Overwatch before I stopped playing that that game religiously. Do you have any time sync games oh, like that? Jason, All right, this is gonna be scary. I do. I okay, oh, right, calculate it. Well, Go I'm gonna walk you guys through it just so you guys get an idea. So, on average, a typical Hearthstone game, on average, lasts around we'll say seven minutes because you can easily get it in the last ten, ten on like ten to twelve on the high end, maybe four mm-hmm. on the low end. So six feels like a generous safe like lowballing it and i've won a total of 5908 games online <laughs> oh, and, and, and keep in mind and that's just games i've won let's see so that would mean oh i missed 5908 and i lose way more than i win like my win to loss ratio is probably like and I have to be, and I'm going to be generous. I'm pretty sure it's like five to one on like on bad days, but somebody's going to say three. So I'm going to multiply that by three to kind of give me like how many games I've played total, even though it's probably more than that. So we're already at 47,264 games. This is not even counting like Tavern Brawls and other modes, but, and I multiply that by six because, you know, six minutes each. Oh God, I... It's the number so big, it doesn't even... Well, all right, I'm going to divide it by 60 to give me hours. <laughs> oh, God. What? Oh, no. It doesn't even make sense. Um, We're... <laughs> 37,000 hours? <laughs> no. That doesn't Wait, no, no. 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 There's no I, I made a... I must have made, all right, 5,900 times 3. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, okay. All right, there we go. There we go. Times 6. I think I must have hit an extra zero at some point. Oh, okay. That makes way more sense. Okay, so... Yeah, so... Oh, oh like about 2,000 hours. <laughs> Holy... Wow. So, Kevin, to answer your question, <laughs> I can't follow that up with any time sync I have that's anywhere near that. <laughs> um, that's insane, Angel. Like, I mean... Obviously Keep in mind, really like that, that probably means Smash Brothers have... So, so I, I, I was Brothers thinking about while he was... 
Oh god. Yeah, no, I was thinking about while he was doing the calculation, and I think in terms of time sync where I spend a lot of time on any one thing, I have noticed with puzzle games, like Tetris 99, for example, once I start, I don't really stop easily. Like, even when I only play it to do, like, the, uh, you know, the Maximus Cup events or whatever it's called, like, I'll hit the thing to unlock the theme, but I'll just keep going for, like, another hour or two, and I'm not really sure why at that point I'm doing it still, besides just for fun. But, in terms of Time sync slow low bits and pieces that add up like Hearthstone. Pokemon Go was that for me for so long. Like I don't, I have no yeah, real way of tracking it. At least but that one's active. <laughs> so, yeah. It is and it isn't. I mean, once you know how to trick it and move bare minimum, I mean, yeah, it is more I mean, active is that for what sure. You did? But yeah, you like really... cause I played it. No, no, you not like really, a type of person that would it. play to exploit it. I feel like you would just do it. Yeah, no, but it was like it was one of those things that like I play it on my own. I play it like if I was in a pasture seat of a car going somewhere, I'd be like, oh, there's bookstops oh, on yeah, the way. If I like, if I see, that's how you do it. But no, if I uh, at work, like we had a whole. I know I've talked about this on the, on the, on the random town proper, but we had like a whole group at one point, like twenty or thirty of us that would go do raids as a collective from the office, like in the area. So I'd be like disappearing from work for like twenty minutes to go do it multiple times a day uh, i hope no one's listening at work uh but yeah so like it added up i'm sure like i don't even i don't even know how i would go about calculating that but i can only imagine we're talking i would say two thousand hours like you have angel but or or the one thousand you were talking about Kevin, but i would imagine we're in the upper hundred upper yeah upper hundreds for sure but then i kind of like that tapered off but for a while there i'd say for like two to three years pokemon go was like the one probably but very piecemeal Ooh. did play a lot of worth with friends in college <laughs> again yeah kind of not a ton i mean i did and i didn't yeah that's true actually so mobile games probably just because what game i'm sorry words with friends like the scrabble oh, that friends, zynga sorry. used to make uh-huh. uh but yeah it, it's weird because like i don't like in the way you guys are describing you know um more so how you're describing Final fantasy than you're describing hearthstone angel um i feel like i don't have a game where i just sit for you know from four to midnight or whatever and just play like i don't my attention span doesn't work like that um but i definitely if you do little piecemeals and bits and pieces here and there they add up pretty quick for some games for sure and i mean it's only easy to get to reach the amount of hours i've reached with hearthstone because as jason knows and most people know i'm i'll easily play it you know when i'm actually out with people or like in the worst possible like, place you would or just... like, in, like a lot of times in the car in hotels and planes or yeah if i'm like walking yeah. somewhere and just talking to someone i'll just have a game going and they'll be like are you playing hearthstone because or like yeah and andrew i'm not i'm not putting on blast it's just funny we were at um your brother-in-law's birthday and we're sitting in the karaoke room like a group of us and it wasn't full yet we didn't officially start yet we get there we sit down within 10 seconds you're playing hearthstone <laughs> like while we were waiting for everyone so like any moment you have when you're not actually like interrupting something you're constantly playing it i mean i could stop whenever i want so it's not oh sure you can hold up hold, sure up, you hold can. up hold up are you playing hearthstone right now are you no Angel, come clean. Have you ever played Hearthstone while we were recording an episode of either QC or Ram Nintendo? Yes. Wow. I thought I knew you. I thought I knew you. <sighs> See, that's addiction uh, right there. That's what that is. <laughs> typically for one game, and then I'm like, dang, I think I missed the last thing Jason said, and I think they're talking to me. So, yeah. If you, so if you, so if you go back on that episode, you might be able to tell when. But yeah. If you ever repeat back something I said to you to me as if you just thought of it, does that mean you're playing Hearthstone? Because that has um, happened on rare occasions. Half the time. <laughs> other times I just honestly miss it because you do talk fast. I thought you were going to say other times it's Brawl Stars or something. No, no, no. Half the time Hearthstone. Half the time. I do talk fast. Because Hearthstone, I mean, it's a turn-based card game. So, like, I mean, I kind of do my turn and then I'm just, like, listening. But Brawl Stars is, like, a real-time, like, 
I guess, top-down shooter. So that one, I would not be able to do anything else at the same time. Right, right. Not that I do with her stuff, but still, just well, even worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I feel slightly betrayed, but that's okay. Not, not, <laughs> a, not, a, not anymore, though. I, I stopped. That's what all addicts say when they get po- called out. I don't do that anymore. That's the old me. No, so no, we'll, I'm. We'll I'm mean, still play Hearthstone general, just not during the podcast. I've, uh-huh, I, I've uh-huh. given it the respect and time it deserves. Okay, you've won me back as your friend. <laughs> yep. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Well, that was a Final Fantasy fourteen, <laughs> and then uh, some. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah, and then some, and and the ti- and the time sinks <laughs> in our lives. Yeah, seriously. Uh, Jason, we'll hear about what games you're playing uh, next week. Yep. Or if you want to hear what uh, he played already, you can hear uh, the latest episode of uh, Ren Nintendo. Indeed. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention that the at the top of the show, uh, timestamps in the blog post, as usual, nice. uh, whenever you want to skip around. So if, if yeah. people are like, ooh, that's a lot of Final Fantasy, just want to cut to RTJ later, now you know how. <laughs> yeah. All right. So yeah. Or uh, Promare or, or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So... So, so I really have to tell you guys about Anomalisa. Oh man, okay. this mo- talk to us about Anomalisa. This movie, this movie. Um, I didn't know anything about it going in. I just knew that it was from 2015. It was nominated for an Oscar. No, 2016. Um, the same year that Inside Out won. Maybe it was 2015. Whatever, whatever year Inside Out won. Maybe you know what year that is, Jason. Um, I can certainly look it up as you continue to talk and then blurt it out randomly and, in mid-sentence. And all I knew about this movie was just that it was stop motion. And it looked like a, like a drama. Because it wasn't cartoony. It didn't have like a like crazy art direction. It was just trying to be kind of the same way someone would describe King of the Hill in animation. You kind of look at it and you're like, huh, it doesn't look like this needs to be animated. And that was all I knew about it. So going in yesterday... I don't really know what I was expecting, but what I saw definitely was for like really far from what I I don't know from anything I could have thought of. But 2016, 2016. I told you I'd interrupt you, so, so I just had to follow through. Continue, please. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, regardless, I mean, the stop motion is really, really good. I mean, I I don't know what it is about stop motion or just like watching it in movement, but it just looks it always looks beautiful. Like it just looks when done correctly. Like, it can be very creepy, and it can also just look really cool. But I think if this movie was done with live action, it would definitely it would definitely lose a lot of its, like, a lot of its impact. But something I learned about the movie after the fact is that this was a Kickstarter. And this was, like, something that... And you can kind of tell that it's, like, on more on the indie side, just because um, they... Most modern stop motion films nowadays use a technique with 3D printers where they'll print out a bunch of like top halves of the head, I mean of the face and bottom halves of the face uh, below the below the nose. That way they don't have to print out a full face every time they want to have someone talk or express themselves. They could you know, basically save plastic and just be more resourceful. That's like what most studios do now. And Leica, the people that do like Coraline, Box Trolls, Kubo, they do that same technique, but after they 3D print something, they polish it off, and then they use like the computer to essentially make their faces look seamless, so so that it doesn't look like it's a puppet maquette. So you know, you're, so you're not like, oh, this looks like a straight up like animation toy. But in this movie, when you look at the characters, and they definitely don't shy away from showing them up close, 
you could literally see the like the scan lines from the printer, or I guess like the layers. You could see the same line the whole time, and that might be distracting to some. I guess kind of in the same way that Spider-Verse, I know for a fact, was distracting to many when that movie was shot the way a traditionally animated film was shot. And a lot of people saw that and just really didn't like that. Some of them said, like, oh, the animation was terrible because it looked choppy. But, you know, that was They're just wrong. Those opinions are incorrect. But, yeah, so that's kind of, like, what the movie was going for. And the movie, like, is one of those that's really up for interpretation. Like, the director kind of gives you some ideas of what he was going for. We saw this after the fact because after the movie, we were just kind of left with, what the heck? Like, wait, is that how it ends? Like, what the heck did I just watch? Like, it was... <laughs> like I mean, like, we kind of get the idea. Like, I don't want to spoil much just because I do feel like if you really want to watch something completely out of left field, I think it's really worth checking out. But... It, it can definitely make you feel uncomfortable. Like, I mean, but in a nutshell, it's about this um this man named... um I forgot his first name, but his last name is Stone. He's like this big deal that seems to be like a little celebrity when he goes to this hotel. But something that you'll quickly notice that you'll have to realize, no, it's not you. It's literally... There are only three voice actors in the whole movie. And hmm. Matt... Well, I'm going to call him Michael Stone. I want to say what's his name. Well, Mr. Stone, right. he has like a British accent. He has a distinct face. And the titular Lisa for Anomalisa, she also has a distinct like voice and a distinct face. But literally everyone else in the movie, whether they're a kid, an adult, male or female, old or young, they all have the same voice and they all have the same face. And... It's kind of huh. jarring in the beginning because he's on the phone with his wife, but it sounds like a guy, and you're just kind of confused. And then he's, you're hearing like voices in, in an airplane, and it says it's a little kid, but it sounds like an adult. And then you're talking to the mom, but the mom also sounds like the exact same person, and you're just like, what's going on? And essentially, the movie's just like trying to portray, well, not trying. I mean, it, I, I thought it did a good job of portraying the fact that he just can't relate to anybody and he just can't form any connection. So everybody's just like the same person. And what kind of sets the plot going on? Well, when it sets the plot off is the fact that when he's in his hotel room and just kind of feeling lonely, he hears like a woman's voice. And that's like the first time you hear a different voice and you're like, Whoa, someone else. And of course he like rushes off to see like who that was. And he becomes enamored with this person, I guess, because it's the first person in a long time that, he actually sees as an individual whether they're like amazing or not and from there you know it goes off into its own little weird territory and definitely don't want to say much but yeah just you're not going to be ready for it that's all i'll say that's a really interesting approach that i feel like only something animated or not live action can yeah, easily do because there's like some things like it definitely gets that point across, but then there's other things that are kind of... I mean, it definitely seems like there's there are some more psychological things that are going on that they don't really explain. And some uh -huh. things that they could only really do in animation, like there's a sequence where like he's looking at himself in the bathroom mirror and the bottom half of his mouth, um, like that section that you replace to animate the mouth, they start swapping between random expressions like at a rapid pace. And then he grabs it and it looks almost as if he's about to like peel it off and then he immediately stops because that's when he hears the Lisa's voice so it's almost like whoa like where is this hmm. movie going with that it's almost like 
kind of breaking the fourth wall like he knows he's an animated figure. But Right. Yeah, or like he's it, just going through motions, I mean, literally it, stop motions. And it's pretty short. It's a, like it's an hour and a half. So if you have time and I don't know, it's a weird recommendation because I know for a fact a lot of people are not going to like it. But I think it's a thinker. It's it's worth. It, I'm glad I saw it, but it, I don't know if it's like. I mean, it's not going to be my top favorite. It's just like, huh? That that was a that was a ride. It sounds it's like very one of those movies. movies. So just to keep that in mind, it's uh, it's very calm. It's very like mellow. It's not like high action. There's just a lot of like, oh, whoa, that happened. As I said, it sounds like one of those movies. There's like few and far between. It's kind of ex- talking for or elaborating for what I was saying before. But it sounds like one of those movies where the medium it chose is as much a part of the story as anything else. No, I mean, like sometimes there's an anime movie where like, oh, it's just like. It's animated, like you know, like even stop motion, like Paranorman, let's say, like oh yeah, it okay, it's stop motion, but you know this could be any format really. It could be cartoon, it could be CG, but no, they went stop motion. But it sounds like this, like it sounds like they chose stop motion, at least based on what you're saying, thematically for a reason. Yeah, no, yeah, it it definitely feels very intentional. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of cool because like it's it's rare where it's like married like that. I feel. I mean, and like I definitely like, I mean. Give me credit where the credit is due. I mean, it is like a very interesting, interesting way to tell that story, and I, I think they did a good job. But I think like something that a lot of people may like not really think about is the fact that the sets and everything look like crazy. Like you see like an airport, you see a hotel, and then you have to realize like, wait a minute, this is all miniatures. Like everything was created, and like all the clothing, all the bed sheets, all the drapes, all the food, like everything you see was like you know, custom made and it it definitely like just like exemplifies just how crazy and hard it is to create stop motion films. It's definitely it, it's it's awesome. Like it's definitely awesome to see. Like I mean if you just love animation, you will enjoy it. Probably no matter what, just because it's just an interesting way of animating that you probably even haven't seen in within stop motion. So I mean it's worth checking out just for that. So I've always seen the poster for this movie, and that alone, like to me, it's like, huh, this doesn't look like a fun, fun little movie. <laughs> a little that romp. I can just watch and enjoy. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the thing I remember. It's like a foggy mirror and a guy wiping away uh, some of the some of the fog. And it's super gray. The poster, if I remember correctly. Yeah, and it's super gray. Yeah. And it's like. That doesn't look like a good time. Which, like, it's good. It's good they did the poster that way. Because could you imagine if they did, like, a more normal stop-motion animation-style poster, the kids, that would be like, I want to see that. And then they go, and everything you're describing, they're just like, what is this? So it's probably for the best that they grade out the poster like that. Like, it's less uh, Requiem for a Tuesday and more... <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't know. And to just... give you an idea, it was directed by the guy that did Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. Ah, oh, okay. that immediately yeah. gives it a tonal. And honestly, like if you just Google mm-hmm. Anomalies and just look at and just scroll through the images, you'll see like how not like crazy of a movie it looks. Like it just looks very normal. And then oh, there's also some pictures thrown in of like the people animating it, which is kind of like jets you back into reality, where it's like, whoa, that's crazy. Oh, and yeah, there's definitely a lot of stuff where you're like, man, someone had to animate that. But 
Yeah. <laughs> I, I think uh, if you're curious what I'm talking about, you should definitely check it out But for that. But yeah. I have a suspicion based on what you're saying. Oh, I don't think you do. <laughs> but yeah. Okay, maybe I don't. Okay. Maybe I don't. I'm actually very intrigued by it. It sounds oh, like, I mean, it sounds melancholy, like like super melancholy, but it sounds very interesting. Yeah. As a, and, something to watch. I think the people also behind Moral Laurel were also involved, but yeah. Okay. Yep. That, that, uh, yeah, that makes yeah, it, it yep. make a little more sense, too. I heard more, uh, what Moral Laurel got really dark in this last season. Oh, I haven't seen the last season, but I mean, that, that show definitely gets dark, but it's just, it's like, SpongeBob getting into dark territory because the main character is always like so optimistic and happy about it, it even if it's it always terrible. It's like a nice it juxtaposition. SpongeBob about it. with an edge, yeah. It's like edgy. It's like SpongeBob with like this weird dark underbelly to it, almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Man, no, I've I've heard that the last season definitely is more is is definitely less comedy, more more drama. Huh. And I, I think the creator of Moral Oral is uh, Starburns from Community. It is. It well, is. yeah, he, uh, yeah, he has a whole world of career outside of Community. He's more of a production it's guy than he is a TV show. person usually. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that guy. Which, which I've seen on, uh, on, I've, I've seen that specific. That show? bumper, like Italian man. No, the the the, like, the mascot. I've seen it on so many. Yeah, the the mascot, yeah, the logo mascot, the, the like chef. I've seen it on like actual like food products, huh? And <laughs> maybe it's like a, yeah, I mean it's just I, generic I Italian chef man jerky, but it's like the exact same one. Maybe it's like a free do- open domain. Is, What's the word I'm looking for? Hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, public, uh, domain. public domain, oh, public domain, art yeah. or something. Which you know sometimes that right. could be the intention of why you would do something. But well, you know that Starburns Industries. I mean, that's the company um, Dan Harmon used to be part of as well. So, like, they founded it. Like, they know each other and, and in the community days. It. Yeah. Huh. Although, apparently, he left the production company earlier this year. I read somewhere. Oh. He's still involved with Rick and Morty, obviously. He being Dan Harmon, not I'm guessing Starbucks. you haven't seen the final, the last season? Okay. Of Rick and Morty? No, I'm behind. But I will try and watch it if we want to talk about the next QC. Oh. There you go. I'll talk about it too because I, I haven't seen any of season four. Yeah, I'm behind. And I haven't seen like the half back of season three. Huh. Well, we got our homework assignment, Kevin, for next episode. Uh, there we go. Perfect. <laughs> I mean, I keep up with it every uh, week. What's weird, like, I don't consider myself like a hyper fan, but I definitely do watch it every week. I mean, I, I really enjoy the show, but I, I, yeah. I, I think you mean the, you're not a fan that jumped on a McDonald's counter demanding your yeah, Szechuan the, sauce? N- normally, I'm good about like not even knowing what the fandom is up to. Or like you know, like people always say, like oh, this, they have a toxic fan base, like blah blah blah. But yeah, Rick and Morty, yeah, they they kind of ruined that part for me. Like it kind of makes you feel, it makes you, it, it makes you feel itself. ashamed of like being a fan yeah. of Rick and Morty. But oh, being a fan. you're not. It, it what was the line that someone said on Reddit that became me? Like you're not smart enough. Oh, to... you're a Q. I don't know. Yeah, it's not that. Oh, you have to have a yeah, Q to appreciate to... Rick and Morty. Like, yeah, no, you <laughs> or don't. something like that. Like there, there, there's a quantum engineering joke on there that i just laughed and laughed and normies didn't like well it was terrible <laughs> that that whole thing was yeah was bad yeah, yeah but the show itself which, is good which, which is what's it's like yeah. it kind of got like it's not the fault fault of dan Harmon or justin Rowland that like this happened but now they're stuck with it <laughs> i mean that's just kind of any piece of art like <laughs> the way it's interpreted yeah. by other people is out of your control and Very you kind of have to take responsibility or yeah. Or not, or say this is not, you know, this I put out there and this is how it was interpreted and this is what they ran with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know how many different ways you could interpret pickle wit pickle rick, but you know. 
Yeah. yeah well. Yeah. I know. I know the. I know the the. With Pickle Rick, I know the the ending of that episode gets a lot of praise, but I, I thought the the rest of that episode. Uh, well, let's not get into. into <laughs> we'll save Rick, Rick and Morty, Morty for now. next. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll, that's definitely we'll a discussion in uh, of itself. But for sure, for sure. Yeah. Right. Uh, Angel, something else you want to talk about, right? Uh. Well. Re- regarding animation, kind of a combination of um, me and Jason, but yeah, like, yeah, because no, finally, perfect. finally, Jason. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously, it had nothing to do with me because, like, screw me and my uh, recommendations. Except Excuse for Harley you. Quinn, I watched Harley Quinn because of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got one, <laughs> but um, I got one out of eighteen. Yeah, but regardless, I'm glad you're finally checking out all the Disney movies in order. Which is great and so awesome. I, I should back it up slightly. I have seen most of them as a kid, sort of scattershot. But yes, I am now watching them chronologically by release, roughly. And I know, um, like, the only reason you would watch them with us in theaters is because you see it more as like I'm hanging out with friends and we're what, watching the MA Disney stuff in theaters. Somewhat, I do like like I like watching all the Pixar stuff. Um, but yeah, in terms of like classic Disney, yeah, I I. You know, I'm weird about it. Like, I loved them as a kid. Like, Lion King's one of my favorite movies. I watched Fox and Hound more times than I could count. Um, I had them on VHS back when, you know, they put them in the big white styrofoam weird plastic things. It's like your VHS is like the size of like – I know what you're talking about. not styrofoam. It's like like a hard plastic, I guess. But, you know, like a VHS looked like you had like a Bible basically, but you open it. It's just a tape inside. Um, But, yeah, so there are a few I always loved. But, yeah, I didn't like religiously watch all of them in theaters or all of them chronologically until now. And so where it's interesting. So you start. So obviously start in Snow White because that's the beginning. But Correct. Where did you? I am end? up to. I am up to at this point Aristocats. Oh, okay. um, so, so still... we're talking from. <laughs> we're talking from the thir- <laughs> from like thirty seven, thirty eight, whenever Snow White came out, up to like the early seventies. I think is when yeah, you still got a long way to go. 70. You still have like. Oh yeah, yeah. You, so you still haven't seen um, the Black Cauldron, right? I mean, I saw that as a kid. Yeah, no, no, no I'm talking about no, because you're going in order in so this new worldview, and I'm going in loose order. So, like, I saw, for example, um, well, I mean, as long as you watch the saw... right period, because there's definitely like you know they have like their early films. There's like a really yes. weird two D Dark Times. I think it was I forgot yeah. I forgot which main director left, but someone at Disney left, and then um, someone else came in, and then all of a sudden we had like. Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Tarzan. Like yeah, so I'm nowhere back, near back, that. Back. Yeah, like, I'm nowhere near that. I, I, uh, but I kind of watch them not quite in chronological. So like, I watched uh, Snow White and then Cinderella pretty closely thereafter. But I kind of snaked back to some of the others, like Dumbo. But mm-hmm. I have like the rough flow. Like it's almost like it was by like category, and it wasn't intentional. Just looking at it retroactively, I have a list right in front of me of all the dates of all of them. And like, yeah, I, I kind of messed up the order. But uh, yeah, yeah it was yeah. interesting. It, it, it's interesting because, like, well, first of all, what we were going to talk about with you, Angel, was the animation and how it evolved. I thought it was really interesting because initially they did, like, the animals kind of, at least from 40 to 70, let's say, 1940 to 1970, kind of look roughly the same. But it's interesting how the humans changed over those 30 years because, like, the original, original stuff, you know, um, Snow White and – well, actually, I should rephrase that. The princess, the princess one. So Snow White, yeah. Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty. They did this thing where it almost looks like – it's actually really cool animation. It almost looks like they basically took individual frames of like a live-action performance and then just drew on top of them. Like they have like this weirdly almost uncanny valley sort of movement to them, although they don't look like 
people necessarily. It looks like they like cell shaded on top of real yeah, people so, or something, and it took out detail. Do you know how they did that? Yeah, so that what you're describing exactly is literally called rotoscoping. So that is what you do when you're pretty much recording reference. You know, like they have someone mm-hmm. dancing. Like if you want to see a good example of rotoscoping in um, Snow White, is when she's dancing around with the dwarves and she's like clapping her hands right. and dancing around with Dopey. So they recorded the actress and then it's kind of a cost-saving method also because back then, like, you know, everything was really expensive to do. It took a long time. So they did have to take some, like, cut some corners when they did. But I wouldn't necessarily call it cheating either because it's also an excellent, excellent way to learn the body mechanics and get that going. But essentially, yeah, they do, like, essentially trace over the footage and you get that really weird kind of realistic movement that does kind of feel uncanny and mm-hmm. they definitely over the years stopped using that because as they became more you know as they mastered the art of animation more and more they tended to exaggerate things more i mean if just look oh, at like sure. snow white versus emperor's new groove like yeah it's like literally or not even big. not even that big of a stretch like even just like it, it was yeah, what I was going to say, what's interesting to me is going roughly chronological, you can see film to film how they kind of just like inched further and further towards what we now know as Disney animation away from, I guess, the rotoscoping and the more realistic. Like the animals, I'd say, were relatively consistent in how they look, kind of, but at least in that 30 year chunk I've watched. But it's interesting to watch like the people become more animated. It's interesting to watch how the backgrounds went from just simple shapes and colors to like kind of looking like storybook static backgrounds to evolving into like more what we're used to now. And you see it like very slowly, like like you mentioned, one hundred one Dalmatians, like that that whole like Parisiany sort of yeah, New York Central Parkish look. That one had way yeah. more art direction than stuff. Yeah, like but that even then, those were all like completely stacked backgrounds. Mm-hmm. But they're the same sort of stacked background as like Cinderella. But then you go to Jungle Book, and it's like you know trees are rustling and stuff, and it's it's different. And I think that's what I found interesting because, like I said, I've seen most of these movies in one form or another, but to see it chronologically and to see the evolution like it's almost like like to use a gaming term it's almost like following the disney meta like it's not even watching like the movies it's watching how disney this very conservative play it safe company slowly inched into new directions and that you know that whole like we play it safe we're um conservative our decisions like that's still in their dna today i'd say you know like all they do is remakes of old stuff because they know it works or they do in the 90s early 2000s all sequels of old stuff you know, they did Marvel. That was a gamble. And then they're like, well, can we repeat that exact same thing with Star Wars? So, like, they're very – they follow set cookie-cutter patterns. And it's interesting to see those patterns on a much smaller scale in the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s because they're definitely there. Mm-hmm. Like, I know it's, like, two big ones, I guess. It like, funny they that, um, for a long – huh, what are you going to say? It is funny that, you, like, you brought up, like, I guess comparing them to console generations because I would say, like, definitely a lot like Nintendo – like, Disney doesn't like to get rid of, like, an old idea. I mean, like, to give you an idea, like, mm-hmm. they had been trying to do a, like, an Ice Queen movie since, like, the time of, like, when they came out with Little Mermaid. And they eventually did with Frozen. I mean, that just took them forever. But more to that point, like, before they even came out with their live-action movies with cartoon characters in them, like Mary Poppins, they were yeah. experimenting with something called, like, Alice shorts. It's like, there's, like, a little girl in a cartoon world, and... They were black and white, and I think they came out before movies and theaters. And they pretty much, yeah, they did. They were always like experimenting with things, just kind of trying to be sometimes innovative to the sake for being innovative. 
And right, you know, sometimes they worked, sometimes they didn't, but they just kind of kept at it. And but then they kept having like in tandem with that, much like Nintendo, because that's a great analogy, actually. Uh, much like Nintendo, it feels like just watching through what they have. They were so like, we gotta be really careful, guys. Like so, here's oh yeah, our two they, tropes they, they, of they movies, and then they they, inch they, it. They, like, they just yeah. inch it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. like like for example, I noticed just watching because there's basically two tracks. It seems like they went on. There was the human movies, and then there was like the animal based movies. And occasionally they kind of mix and match. Like Pinocchio, they had an animal in it, Jiminy Cricket, but he was dressed like a little human. He acted like a little human. He wasn't really an animal. I didn't really like like how much of a human he – I mean his hands and they they make reference to his bum a lot and it's weird. That's my point. They they humanized him because like in this weird whatever – But I guess he also looked creepy. I don't know. I mean they've had – like an animated cricket in that I forgot what it's called. Like the cricket and the ant story that they have in their silly symphonies. But right, maybe... but that had no human in it, right? No, it's just no human. Yeah, so I guess they. Yeah, so that's yeah. what I'm saying is they compartmentalize. So they basically had two tracks. I noticed where it was like either it's a human story or it's an animal story, and for a long time they sort of inched forward with each of those. At least from what I saw, like the human ones. Okay, slowly they started having the animals be more than just like little props. Like, look, they're blue birds singing. Uh, flying around the princess or whatever or they kept using the term the birds are, ch- are uh, twittering in the subtitles which <laughs> i was like ah twitter but no literally like four movies it's like birds twittering as like a background sound cue um but yeah and then slowly the animals start like maybe engaging with the humans a little but not talking yet except jimmy cricket but he's basically a baby human and then slowly they start being like well what if the animals actually talk like what if it's like cinderella with the mice where yeah they're a little dressed like humans in outfits but they're more animal like and they talk kind of not as normal humans talk like they you know have little like speech rhythms and stuff and then from there i think it's probably if i had to guess alice in wonderland seems like when they finally merged the two paths they had the human path then they had the animal movie path like dumbo and bambi and all that and even those i noticed they started with they were still hesitant about animals talking because in dumbo dumbo doesn't talk there's not really a talking animal until bambi like a talking protagonist animal until Bambi. And then they're like, okay, maybe they can talk now. And they just kept slowly like inching, inching, inching. Then they merged them kind of with Alice in Wonderland, which interestingly I learned Walt Disney did not really like Alice in Wonderland and didn't think it would work. But then once they took that gamble, that's kind of like the Nintendo style. You, you just, you know, try something crazy, get innovative. Once that worked, suddenly then all the talking animals were with all the humans and everything sort of crisscrossed. And then it was like this whole new chapter at that point. So I thought that was really interesting, like watching it. I watched these over span of like the quarantine so far, so since April, and just watching it and seeing that evolution okay. in such a short frame of time, opposed to thirty years, it's interesting to see exactly the patterns develop. Like things like the early movies, um, they always start with like a storybook. Like literally, they opened with a storybook, um, and they would have like a choir singing, and they would always be like kind of grabbing ideas from other sources. So like even um, within, I learned this just the other day actually. Even within. Um, I think it's Sleeping Beauty. Well, you told me this, Angel, actually. Was it in Sleeping Beauty or Snow White, the song that actually isn't Disney's song? Sleeping Beauty. Right. Yeah, it was a ballet, right, from the 1800s that they lyric- put lyrics on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's from So, the, like, even that, ballet. like... Yeah. Which is crazy, because, so, yeah, like, even that, it felt time, like Disney was very cautious. Like, we need to take music that we know works. Yeah, and no, now I'm wondering, like, on, is Wish Upon a Star really a Disney thing, or was yeah. that, like, <laughs> right? Especially cause, but, yeah, like, so it's just, like... Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, like, especially because, like, when you're at Disneyland, I mean, in particular, like, Once Upon a Dream, like, that tune is just so iconic and so, like, that and what, I guess, Wish Upon a Star just, like, so feels so Disney that I guess learning mm-hmm. that they didn't come up with that almost kind of felt like slight betrayal. 
betrayal. Yeah, and I know that's one of the things I I went. I, mean, I don't know if I caught betrayal. And obviously, like yeah, I, I know that every fairy tale story is like public domain. That they obviously didn't come up with like Little Mermaid and blah blah blah. They're all like grim fairy tales that had way darker endings. Yeah. But you know, I mean, they they definitely made them their own. Like they changed it up, and I mean, they're pretty different stories. I mean, they just took the source material and reinvented it. This song, though. Yeah, I was just like, I was a little, I was a little like, huh? I thought, I thought you made that Disney. And that's the kind of thing I noticed, and I wouldn't say I was like betrayed by him, but I definitely saw like, oh, this is very formulaic because so many movies had that exact same. Okay, we're starring a fairy tale. Here comes the book opening. All right, here comes a choir singing some. There's kind of words, but good luck trying to figure them out because you're singing <laughs> so slowly. Okay, we've done that. Next, we're going to the story. Okay, we're done yeah, with the story. Great, let's the close and... the book. Bring back the choir. Bring it back in. And they do that like six movies in a row. Um, and it, it's fine. It worked for them, but it was interesting to see them and then slowly like back off. Like even Mary Poppins. It sounds like you want to start to flip the, the table by the end. It's like, no, 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 the no, book. no, 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 no. But even Mary Poppins, they start with the book. They don't have the choir or maybe they do have the choir, but Mary Poppins, they like brought back the book as I guess an homage to when they used to do it more. But it's just kind of like interesting to see that Disney was not being shy about this is what we know works and we're keep doing Why it. Why do you think well, Shrek opened up the way it did with yeah, the storybook and Shrek now. ripping the book, the page out of it to wipe his butt? Yeah, and not only that, but even um, the other thing I noticed watching them so closely together is, to your point about them doing cost-saving measures, man, they it was like it felt like a Judd Apatow deal where you know how Judd Apatow always uses the same people in his movies, basically. Like he has like a group, and that group of comedians is like in the same stuff. They're all friends with one another. They do each other's projects. Like so many of these movies had the same directors, the same voice cast. They picked up and like copy pasted like dogs from one movie into another oh, movie yeah. and like, changed if, their color. If you go on YouTube, they did dance sequences copied over. Like yeah, I was gonna give you like YouTube like um, Disney, I guess cheating. Even though you know you do what you do how to do, but I mean like, yeah, you the, do what you gotta do. There's nothing yeah, wrong like, with it. Like the dance from Snow White, they do it again in Aristocrats with the white cat, or yeah. the king louis from jungle book they recycle his dancing with a chicken in robin hood but Mm -hmm. yeah or like yeah and it was just and it's interesting because sometimes even the dogs had the same voice actor (laughs) so it's like literally like a cameo except they changed the color of the dog which um again like i guess pixar does this with the ham actor i mean he kind of did appear in like every movie yeah that's true and even to this day they still have voice actors they always lean on like alan tudyk for example is in everything that disney does including now star wars and he's great he's very versatile um, Josh Gad, I feel like they, you know, I mean, the from, fact that uh, King Candy Oswald. also, like he could pull off that yeah. kind of voice, like Mad Hatter, weird, high pitched lisp or something. And then yeah, do... and, like, and like Kevin just was saying, he's also an on screen actor too. That like the pirate in Dodgeball. Uh, he was the so pirate he's very versatile. He was the pirate in Dodgeball. The, yeah, he, he also is in Firefly. If you've ever watched Firefly, um, is that the one but with he's... Nathan Fillion? Nathan Fillion. Yep. Yep. I only know that because like of. Yeah, I only know that because of that one show. No, no. Um, uh, the show on Netflix about puberty. Oh, Big Mouth. Yeah, Big Mouth. Because Mouth. there's like a dog, I guess, at the Connie Fillion, and they keep referencing Firefly in that show. Yeah, Firefly is like such. Firefly feels like one of those sci-fi shows that was like the OG um, of the modern like fan basing. Like not Trekkies, not that sort of thing, but the idea of like you have a show that lasted two or three years and have this super dedicated fan base that will through thick and thin because they got want the show to come back and oh, support okay. it. It got canceled on Fox uh, three seasons in. It was like a western in space. Um, seasons? I thought it was like two. maybe it was two. Maybe I'm misremembering. Yeah, and it, Summer Glau. Yes, correct. Yes. yes. Ah. Um, but yeah, Dr. so Wait, it was. So that means Nigel saw Firefly. Interesting. Yeah, he's a fan of Firefly. Yeah. Oh. 
Yeah. One season. Oh, we're about- <laughs> oh wow. I thought it lasted longer. But either way, that that was like yeah, the, the, the start sucked. of the current <laughs> is the start of the current like, you know, fan frenzy around a canceled thing where they try and bring it back and then they do different one off specials and they had a movie too, Serenity, I believe, was tied in with Firefly. Um not not to be confused with Serenity starring Matthew McConaughey yes, and then Hathaway. Not that one. The other the sci fi Serenity. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> but all right. Well they're both they're both sci fi spoilers. Oh they are? Whoa. What a yeah. twist. Don't you remember what I told you about? Oh, that's right. All right yeah. Spo- yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. But anyway, back to Disney before we spoil a million movies. It was just really interesting to me that um, – and again, it's not a knock that they cut corners. It's not a knock they have like a Judd Apatow-style crew they always fall back on even to this day. I think what it just was was seeing – you know, we know Disney today is this big monolithic corporation that's very safe. They'll do some crazy stuff every so often, but for the most part – they know they know what they do and they know how to do yeah, it. Yeah, that, that, that's and every so often it fails them and they had like you know the mid two thousands dip in a lot of people's mind. But then they you know get around it and it's just interesting to see that isn't something that happened when Disney blew up. That was Disney in the thirties. That was Disney in the forties. That was Disney in the fifties. Like it is really interesting to see when you watch the movies together just how true to old Disney current Disney actually is, contrary to the narrative about Disney yeah. today. Although we'll say that. Right now, it definitely feels like Disney is way too safe. I mean, obviously, I can't deny the fact that they're making, like, tons and tons of money with their live-action remakes of old CG movies. I mean, of old animated films. But, yeah, like, it it definitely feels like kind of like a slap in the animator's faces to kind of remake Lion King the way they did. And on top of that, it's not... Like like not Good. like like not even the fact that they just redid it almost shot for shot, and you end up losing a lot of the personality that innately came with having those caricatured animals. But then they go on to call it the live action Lion King, almost like discrediting the fact that it was fully animated. Which is, you know, people that, still retard on that movie. It's like, come on, man. That and you're an like animation really, studio. It's like gloat about it the fact that it's like animated, a, but they're yeah. like our live action Lion King, and then yeah. It's, it's, you know why they did that, right? No, it was, yeah. It was specifically to separate it from the old one. But it, yeah, it's not great. And the, and the thing with that is, like, I never actually saw New Line King. It's definitely a weird really, territory. Yeah. And I, I do like the cast they got for it. Like, I'm a huge Don Glover, like, Charles can be a fan. So the fact that he was Simba was awesome. I mean, Beyonce's, that's a big talent to grab. Wait, and then they like Billy Huh. What? I wish I had known. Wait, what? I didn't know you liked Childish Gambino. Wait, you didn't know that Childish Gambino is Don Glover? No, I did know. Oh, I was gonna say I love that oh, this okay. is happening on a on a recording. If you How really could I not know? know? I hang out with. I you. don't know, especially because you're friends with me and I talk about them all the time. But uh, and Kevin, who all also is a fan. But um, only second to actually, I don't know who he's second to. I guess Conan, Lincoln Park, Conan. Yeah. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, like they had a great cast. Like even gang Seth Rogen and Billy Eichner, I thought were good choices. But yeah, I watched uh, Akumatata animated and live act live action quote unquote side by side like back when the movie first came out someone put it on youtube or something and oh god it just it sucks all the personality out mm-hmm. and that was the other thing that, that it's funny how the animated the, ones feel like they have more life in them than the exactly than the live action, and that's the other the quote unquote live that's action. that's the other interesting thing about watching the um disney movies chronologically is like sure you can watch snow white and you can then watch Little Mermaid, and there is a noticeable difference in art difference in uh, art style, in like the fluidity, in kind of just the energy. But watching it slowly be refined as they go, and seeing things slowly kind of like come a little more to life, like seeing you know even something small like how Dumbo's anim- anim- animated versus how Jungle Book was animated, um, 
it's actually really interesting just to see how they kind of like loosened up essentially like you didn't have the dancing of the characters in jungle book anything resembling that in terms of like you know the shoulder moving and that sort of thing that you in dumbo there's nothing close it's just interesting how and they you know just how that evolution happened and to see it mapped out uh, so i can't wait for you to get term. to the the later half or i guess the middle since it sounds like it's still in the first third but yeah i mean it's a lot of movies and we i, I to be fair i haven't seen all of them yeah, and I haven't seen all of them. Like, I skipped uh, – let's see. I have a list here. I, I didn't see Song of the South. I know it has all sorts of racism stuff too, but I didn't see that one. I mean, that one's also uh, I skipped not Reluctant even available Dragon. anywhere. Yeah. yeah, exactly. That's why I skipped it. I didn't see Reluctant Dragon. I didn't see, like, Reluctant Adventures Dragon. of Ichabod and Mr. Toad. No, it's called Reluctant Dragon in the list I'm looking at. Oh, it must be a different The Reluctant movie. Dragon, 1941. Yeah. So you don't even know about it. That's how it's not that crazy that I didn't see it. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there's some I skip. I'm trying to hit like the high notes and the ones that are no, like actually like still talked about to this day mm-hmm. for the most part. And, you know, of course, along the way, to be fair, they did stuff like Fantasia, which is really different from everything else. But um, that felt like the whole thing was rotoscoped in a way. But I mean, obviously, I didn't rotoscope a dancing broom, but you know what I mean? Like it had a lot more like the whales and stuff had a lot more uh, realism to them. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's very interesting. It's very interesting. It's uh, I recommend it for anyone who a was planning to go to Disneyland, then they canceled, uh, they shut down Disneyland, so now you need something Disney to do. I think which it is will how I make you this. appreciate how opening soon, aren't they? What? What? They're opening soon on the seventeenth, the sixty-fifth anniversary of the park's opening. They plan to reopen Disneyland here in California with oh, this month uh, or of July. July. Uh, yeah, okay, that's it way too soon. soon. I think. But it's they're doing like smaller capacity. You have to make a reservation. They're not selling new tickets. It's only annual passes and people who bought tickets before they shut down. But yeah, they're not going to have parades. They're not going to have fireworks. They're not going to. I don't know how the rides are going to work when they're enclosed. Uh, you have to wear a mask all times. It's going to be a mess. I would strongly recommend not going because our cases are still climbing. But um, they're doing it. Yeah, but I mean, if you're patient and you wait out till October or whenever that end up may be. Um, yeah, I would also recommend just watching all these films because it definitely does make you appreciate a lot of the little details they have at at Disneyland because there is a ton. I mean, on top mm-hmm. of just the music they play, like some of the statues they have have like little references that if you happen to watch like Cinderella or Sleeping Beauty or Snow White or any of those, you'd be like, oh, it's that little like moment from the movie or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's that's partly what drove the decision. Originally, it was going to be going into Disneyland and then when they canceled, it's like, well, let's just keep powering through the movies. So here we are. 30 years of Disney <laughs> Powering later, through. It's like, all right, I can only take 50 minutes. more to go. Well, it was, it was at one point every two days, every three days, something like that I was doing it. It's oh, wow. it's tapered off a little because other media has come into play, but um, for a bit there, it's very, very consistent. But yeah, I recommend it. If, if nothing else, it's a good like tour to animation history. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So that, that that's basically what I wanted to say about Disney. Um, it's, it's actually very, very interesting, I think, as I'm going through it. Yeah. Again. So, so what? Uh, what movie did you say that you ended up uh, on? The, You're on? I'm Aristocats? currently. I need to start watching Aristocats. Yes, that's the next one on the list. Oh, the Aristocats. Yeah. So you still haven't seen the Black? Caldwell. I saw it when I was a kid, separately from all this. Okay. Yes. Well, I mean, you don't have to see it again. The Black Caldwell's garbage. <laughs> um, <laughs> I feel like you were only asking specifically to say that. <laughs> yes, hundred percent. Have you seen the the Black? Caldwell when I was a kid, movie? no, not recently. Is it bad? Uh, I've never seen it, but I know the villain looks pretty cool. Movie's trash. <laughs> Is I mean, it that he, bad? I don't remember disliking it. Uh, so it's it, so boring. That oh, movie. God. That was a movie that was kind of plagued by like production hell. It kept getting 
postpone, changed writers, and like that kind of deal. So right. it was, and, mm. and essentially they were just like, just get it out, just like put it out. It's funny because the one that came out right before it, Fox and the Hound, is one of my all-time favorite Disney movies oh, the, as a kid. I still wouldn't uh, that movie defend it though. Like it's like oh, it was played by production troubles. Yeah, so it was fantastic. Four. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, saying like that's why it sucks. Like, so it, I'm not denying that it sucks, but it's not like it had its best. It wasn't their best leg up. I'm like, I'm sure they could right. have probably turned around a right. Black Cauldron story had they actually tried. I guess. Right. But yeah, I mean, the that's fact sure. that it sucks. Yeah, well, I mean, they, that's a stain on their record. But I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> though, though that does make me want to watch it, just because. It does have that infamy. All right, Angel, that's your homework assignment for the next QC. Perfect. You're watching. You're watching the Black Cauldron, and we're watching Rick and Morty, and we'll all swap wow. notes. Wow, I, I think yeah. I got the short end of that, that deal. I think you did. I think you, you, you did. You absolutely. But you, I mean, you defended it. You brought it on yourself. I'm sorry, that's true. I didn't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I I have no uh, smooth way of transitioning to this, uh, especially going from Disney to what will probably be most likely our most I don't know heavy subject that we probably will ever talk on this podcast yeah yeah okay oh, so uh, let's talk about yeah uh, everybody's gonna get whiplash anybody listening to this mm-hmm. uh, Jason let's talk about RTJ4 yeah we? run the jewels run the jewels yeah so run the jewels hip hop duo composed of uh, LP and Killer Mike this is their fourth album mm-hmm. technically it's their fifth uh, because they have that weird uh, Meow the Jewels album. Oh, yeah. Forgot about that. Uh, all the cat sounds. Yeah, all the cat it, sounds. Was it RTJ2 the... that they basically... It was RTJ2. Right, and they yeah, did it, it with cat meows. Yeah. yeah, and they did it with cat meows. Uh, Angel, you might actually have fun listening to that. Uh, they have cat meows? But, yeah. Well, well, yeah, so they, they, they literally swapped out the songs with cat meows. Huh. And they put it out... As like a full album, yeah, great, but, but uh, I yeah. guess yeah. yeah but I, I think it was like a Kickstarter business. Yeah, I like how that's um, what like gets his attention. Right, we could talk about the, this yeah. this heavy duo of serious hip hop. He's like, but if they're meowing, I need that link. Hey man, the <laughs> the hybrid theory version. I mean, the cat version of hybrid theory is pretty pretty kicking. Pretty kicking, yeah. Pretty kicking. Pretty kicking. All, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so so safe to say, me and Jason are fans. We actually saw them perform at uh, the first. Adult Swim Festival here in Los yeah, Angeles. Look at that Rick uh, and Morty tie-in we just and, did. <laughs> right. Safe to say, they put on a show. Oh yeah, they're right? great, and they brought out Zach yeah, De La Rocha, which was really kind of a cool surprise. Yeah, they brought of out Rage Zach. Against. Is the... it Rocha or Roca? I don't know. Actually, it might be Roca. I think it's. Roca. I think you're right. I think it's Roca, but of Rage Against the Machine for those who don't. know. Yeah, and like uh, he's on like yeah they 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 put on a hell of a show mm-hmm. like that part on uh, Talk to Me the I think it was the the second the second track off of uh, RTJ three. After Killer Mike does his like initial verse, yeah. there's like this radio broadcast, and then you hear a robotic voice go "RTJ3." Right, and then during the crowd, like the entire crowd does the does that part, and like I got chills. Oh yeah, it's always cool. Like it's it's so cool and somewhat rare when a whole crowd knows exactly the part to shout back. That's not the actual lyric of a song. It happens a few times yeah. in various concerts, but like, it's such a cool feeling where everyone's like, now he likes this stuff, but it's on the same page about, Oh, this is the part we say like, like without mm-hmm. any prompting. Yeah. Well, like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, we're talking, that was our TJ three. We're talking our TJ four. First of all, what'd you think about the album? Jason? I like it a lot. I think, um, I think production wise, it feels I don't know if tighter is the right word, but something about it just feels more cohesive right. than RTJ3. Um, and to be honest, I loved RTJ3. Like, I 
I got more into them as their like as their albums kept coming out. So like I rate RTJ three really high. RTJ two is cool. RTJ one I probably listen to the least of the bunch. Maybe just because it's the oldest. I'm I'm weird in that regard that like I'll listen to newer stuff and not go back Mm -hmm. and listen to older stuff as much. Um, Mm -hmm. But no four just it felt very like tight. It felt very um, they definitely had like a cohesive theme and plan of where that album was gonna go and they went there like and each song like stands out one thing i did notice that was kind of interesting um so rtj often is like a pokemon where they like to really say their name a lot on every album uh like all the time like they will sample people chanting their name they'll do the rtj3 thing you mentioned they'll uh one of their biggest songs from rtj2 with zach from rage was uh the chorus is literally him saying run the jewels fast run the run yeah, the jewels fast just, yeah. and like they they love they referencing the themselves fast yeah and yeah it's like yeah it's a fast song so i say fast oh, anyway, that, point uh, is like these guys these guys have a song that's called run the jewels yeah yeah so no, they, no, they, they, they love the, they literally would from say the album, run the jewels quote, run the jewels fast the jewels. quote yeah run the, oh, no, no, no it is fast yeah, yeah, yeah run the jewels fast, fast run the run yeah. the jewels fast yeah because it's um oh okay okay yeah Anyway, point is, they love saying their name. And one thing I thought was interesting in this album, it's just kind of a side, it's not a broader point, but one thing I thought was interesting is they only say it twice. And they only say four once, which I think is a record for least self-references. Yeah, at the, <laughs> at the, beginning, at the beginning of the... Yeah, uh, of where Kermak just shouts yeah, four. The, yeah, yeah, four. Um, but what did you yeah, think so of it as like a cohesive I, package? Yeah, so I I mean, I, I'm loving the album. Me too, yeah. The, the more that I listen to, I, I find new layers uh, that, that I don't... That I haven't found. Uh, yeah, but look, I want to talk about the production of the album mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. Like, LP is is the producer of every single Run the Jewels album. And I think the production on this one is incredibly insane. You could tell like, there's so many yeah. there's so many good beats on this. And overall, it sounds more old school hip hop than like their their like RTJ one through three. Mm-hmm. Those are more I guess heavier. Sometimes they get into like industrial hip hop too. Mm-hmm. But but this one has a more classic old school like like bebop and hip hop, especially uh, the front half of the album. Yeah, uh, like Goonies versus ET is pro- probably has my favorite beat in the entire album. But I forget which Holy Kalama F. Yeah, uh, that beat switch like that up beat switch with the dance hall sample. Is, That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I love that one. It's it's so yeah, uh, like like starting the the album off with uh, Yankee and the Brave episode four. Uh, do you know why it's called why it's called Yankee and the Brave? Yeah, so I don't really know. Yeah, oh, I thought you were asking versus asking if I knew. Yeah, it's uh, the two of them because yeah. Killer Mike yeah. is Atlanta Braves, LP mm-hmm. is New York Yankees. It it blew my mind when I found that out, <laughs> but it also made me feel stupid because it's like obvious. Yeah, well, only if you know where it's, they're from, really. I I mean I mean Killer Mike. I, I I've always known that LP is from from New York, yeah. uh, but. I mean, the amount of times that Killer Mike says that he's from Atlanta in this album. It's Yeah, it's a lot. It, it's also kind of interesting. I don't know why they did this exactly. But so the album, they open with Yankee and the Brave, where they start with like an old Western, like kind of 70s TV show, like cop show, sort of like, yeah. it's Yankee and the Brave, yeah. and they're da-da-da. And then they end it with like what would be a remix of the theme song if it was a yeah. real show. And by the way, that part is some of the catchiest thing on the album, honestly. That little mm-hmm. remix at the end, I love it. But um, and it's weird because it's after a very serious song. And it just transitions yeah, right in. We'll, we'll, but that, we'll probably get yeah, to that. Yeah, and that's bit. the thing I was about to say is I find it very interesting. So they frame this whole thing like it's within a TV show, right? Which is like, the first time they've ever – Like it's called Yanking the Brave Episode 4. Exactly. And this is the first of... time they've ever really framed an album as if it's not just a reflection of 
life. But then the album itself is probably the most topically timely and thematically relevant to real life and real situations with the protests and all that as any has been. So it's kind of funny that this is the one they decide to frame as if it's a fictional world, but ends up being the most reflective of what was going on with the police and, you know, stuff like George Floyd and then the response to it. And it's it's very strange. (laughs) It's weirdly unfortunate. Yeah. Um, that it was released two days before they wanted to release it It, because it's not like they want to release it to, I'm I'm sure they want to release it whenever they wanted to, but they had a set date in mind, but because of everything going on in the country, they they decided to release it two days two days earlier. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, by the way, Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. I just had to throw that in. Here, yes, especially yes. like considering the subject matter of the album. Likewise, because this is a very socially conscious album. Absolutely, and Run the Jewels have always been a very political charge group. And for those, if you have, or go ahead, yeah, go ahead. If, yeah, if uh, if you guys for some reason are listening to this podcast and decide to skip the last episode of uh, Random Nintendo. Jason had a very beautifully uh, put out statement. Oh, thanks, Kevin. Uh, regarding where we stand on the on the whole situation regarding George Floyd, and we do provide links to, or we did list a URL where you could go if you want to help in any way. It was Black Lives Matters with an S dot card. That's C A R R D dot C O. So if you are interested, you know, if you if what Run the Jewel says on their album, if what we're saying now resonates with you, there is a place to go and help. Uh, but anyway, yeah, yeah um, I feel like we have to put that out there because we are talking about an album that's directly related to everything going on. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So. Uh, Run- Killer Mike, he's like a huge activist, and he made that very powerful speech after after the death of uh, George mm-hmm. Floyd, mm-hmm. Um, where I think this, the album – so, like, the album does have, like, its catchy tracks, you know, Yankee and the Brave. Uh, they, uh, they talk about what, you know, Run the Jewels always talks about, uh, systemic racism, mm-hmm. uh, Poor versus rich, that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and, and like "Ooh La La" is like the one fun song on this on this album. Although even then, it's still like every... kind of about that stuff a little. Like the classism stuff sort of sneaks in there a little. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And like every every RTJ album, I think has to have that one like fun funnish song. Yeah. You know, RTJ three had "Legend Has mm-hmm, It," mm-hmm. Uh, where, but then I feel like the turning point of the album comes from the halfway point with walking in the snow. Oh yeah. It's insane how, so they wrote that song in August of last year, I guess, but it's insane. The lyrics match up to the George Floyd, George Floyd, George Floyd. Wow. Situation almost perfectly. Like it's really, there's that specific lyric, uh, that made everybody ask like, Hey, was this line just recorded? Uh, or was it re-recorded after George after George Floyd? Mm-hmm. And LP's response on Twitter was like the very sad reality of like, nope, this was recorded last year, and like, and that's what is crazy. It just makes yeah. you think of like history. It just it's just absolutely repeated itself in this. The situation. fact that it's so cyclical is really kind of a. It, I mean, the fact the fact that they recorded it last year and it matched up. I mean, it wasn't just that one line. I would say Killer Mike's whole verse there, where he's talking about like how people watch on news and then are apathetic and just tweet about it and then go about their day. Like, it's oh, not, like it all yeah. the the one breaking of that cycle is the fact that there were so many protests and so many people are actually taking action. Mm-hmm. There is stuff brewing now on a government level that's sort of starting to slowly, maybe, kind of change things. But yeah. yeah, it was really weird how timely that thing felt. Like it's kind of a it's kind of a weird like look in the mirror at our society moment more than anything else. Right. And then, and then the track right after that, just uh, oh, yeah. Pharrell Williams and, and Zach Del Roca has that really good line of, of look at all these slave masters posing on your doll. It's dollar. not just a line. It's um, the chorus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a super it's catchy chorus, song just, too because 
I think yeah, Pharrell must have helped, yeah. the, helped with the production on that because it has that Pharrell kind of repeating beat hook, like the get it he does every chorus. Like it's very much a Pharrellism. Yeah. Which actually, that's another thing. Before we get into like the subject matter, um, the the people they paired up on this thing. I mean, Zach and Pharrell on the same song. Who have guessed that? Or like Mavis Staples, who's like a soul right. singer. Mavis Staples and Josh Homme. Yeah, of Queens of uh, the Stone Age, oh, which is a rock Stone band. Age, I mean, yeah. he's only playing guitar in it, but still, like. There's some very. He's, he's got some. Vo- did he? Vocal, I didn't know. Just like some, oh, like backing. It's more like harmonizing. Right, yeah, right. like harmonize. But like that sort of harmonize. stuff is like that's something Ron Jules does. That's really cool. Is they always make these collaborations you would never expect. Like getting um, Zach in any level from any album of theirs was kind of like oh, mm-hmm. I mean yeah, Rage has like a hip hop to it, but it they're very much like a big rock outfit or like alt rock, I guess you could say. So, but but they're also a very political. Oh, absolutely. Just, yeah. So it makes sense on that level. Jewels. Yeah. My favorite like, thing on the um, internet is people not realizing Rage is a political group. <laughs> Freaking yeah, out when Tom Morello. You saw that article too? What? <laughs> you saw that article oh, too? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, on the AV Club of the guy. Oh, man. Yeah. Beautiful. It's the, it's the like chef's kiss moment. Oh, for sure. Come on. Because, yeah, they're, um, Angel, just to tell you what's going on. So Rage, obviously a big political group. Tom Morello, um, their guitarist, who has obviously gone on to do a lot of other things, uh-huh. put a statement out um, that was, you know, a political statement. And then someone's like, some person who has an opposite political view was like, I don't understand why you have to become political. Just stick to music. And he's like, do you realize – well, one, I actually have like a degree in like political science or something and that's where like in college. And two, have you ever listened to our albums? Like we are political. We always have been political. Their name is literally Rage, Rage, against, Rage against the Machine. Which led to a great tweet where someone was like, what do you think the machine was? A dishwasher? Like a laundry machine? An ATM? <laughs> but yeah. Um. So yeah, the the last few tracks are definitely where the the album shifts mm-hmm. shifts tides. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you, before I get into mine, do you have a favorite track off the album? I really like. I'm just gonna call it "Holy Kalama" just for sensory yeah. purposes. I really like that beat switch. I think it, I don't know. I just really I like that. I like uh, Goonies versus ET. That beat because um, for me it's not so much. Like, Walking in the Snow is really powerful lyrically, but for me, what resonates most, what, right. regardless of band, regardless of music is, I think I've said this on one of the other QCs, is, like, how it sounds. So those two jumped mm-hmm. out, and then Just just has, like, the Pharrell song. Just has, like, quite yeah. a beat. Like, it just, it's catchy, it has a beat. It, it's still saying something important, but it's just, like, it just, I don't know, that one really, I think Just might be my favorite, actually. What about you? I think, I think my, f- it's, it's most likely... I don't know if I'd call it my my favorite uh, RTJ track, but but absolutely my my favorite track is probably a uh, few words for the firing squad. The the track the album closing. the build up on it is so good. Yeah, because it's like it's one of if not it is the most personal song that RTJ's recorded. Mm-hmm. Like, and it it starts out very somber with like LP talking about like his newly. Oh, that's that's when he announced at. Uh, Adult Swim Fest. That's when he announced that he had just recently got married. No? Oh yeah, that's right. I think that's. I think. I think that's when. That's when he. When he finally announced that. So he talks about how, about how, he loves his wife and stuff like that. And then you have Killer Mike going through the stuff uh, with his mother as as uh, as she passed away, and then it just they go verse after verse, and then it's like they go verse after verse about everything going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. But it also like act- accurately reflects the outside world to like a bunch of other people as well, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and like the build up and the crescendo into that like saxophone solo, like that blaring saxophone solo. Yeah, so like, that's an angry saxophone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's so insane. But it's really good. I've, 
And and somebody and another like reviewer brought this up. Uh, does it feel like they could possibly just not do another Run the Jewels album? Like you, you because, know, it, now that you mention because, it, because because that that last song, uh, a few words for the Firing Squad, has like such a finality to it. Yeah, that the other albums haven't. I think. I think in a way that song did sound like it was kind of like, yeah, that's what we had to say. We're out. But then, but yeah. then, I, like the only reason I'm thinking maybe they'll still do a five is because they then did that silly but great like old TV show style closer. So they did this huge oh, build yeah, up. The, the Yankee, the, yeah, the the theme, the theme song. song and outro remix thing, which again super catchy. But yeah, they did that whole build up, right? And it seemed like they're like, this is what Run the Jewels is. This is what Run the Jewels was. This is what it will always represent. We're done. Like it had that feeling. You're right. But then immediately it followed up with like Yankee and the Brave. Brave. I'm like, okay, well that kind of undercut the tone a second ago. So I think that I that might have been or undercut not undercut it, it, but like it like it ended the album on a different note. And I don't know if that note is the finale is like the final like the finality of Run the Jewels that a minute prior could have suggested it was. Like it's kind of like that's the end of this chapter. That's the end of this episode of Yankee and the Brave. Mm-hmm. So I think there's probably room for them to go to five, but they stopped there. I would get why. If that makes sense, yeah, yeah, that 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 absolutely makes makes a ton of sense as well. Um, Why well, did you did yeah, you think it might like, be like kind of the the curtain call for them of sorts? Uh, a little bit, yeah. Just because, like I said, it does have this sort of finality mm-hmm. to it. The fact that half of the song is just like a saxophone solo. Yeah, and and not only that, but like these guys when they did run the jewels, it's supposed to be a one off collaborative album. Like it's supposed to be like a Watch the Throne, like Kanye Jay Z store. Like we're gonna do something together, yeah. and then they're like, let's do it again, and let's do it again, and let's do it again. But they never were like, we are now forever run the jewels. They still have their solo careers that they could go back to at any time. It was not like yeah, absolutely. this was always a temporary thing. So it's just it's interesting that it's been a decade of it now. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't think if they were to stop at any time out again, one they were gonna be like, that's it. Like they already did quadruple what they promised. So. Like yeah, like like personally, I think they're batting a thousand. Oh they're, yeah, they're four for four. Yeah, they are. Um, assuming you don't count me out the jewels, I would say they're five uh, for five. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like like we said, uh, it's a little. It was it was released early because of a very mm-hmm. unfortunate situation, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's probably the best way to describe everything about like the album, like. It unfortunately came out at the right time. Yeah, which is the second time this has happened because if I'm not mistaken, when 3 came out and they talked about some similar issues, that was sort of around Eric Garner kind of. Eric Garner's – So so they they have the worst timing but also in terms of getting their platform at the exact right moment, the best – I hate saying the best in this context, but you know what I mean, timing for something like Mm this. Um, But it it, it definitely is like – it kind of feels like like to put a pin on it or like to put like like kind of the – what sums up my view of it, it feels very much like the the protest music of this era in the same way that, you know, every civil unrest moment has some sort of music that connects with it or has some sort of like, sort of like the yeah, anti-establishment absolutely. anthems. This whole album was just the one in like a mm-hmm. 35 to 40 minute nutshell. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, uh, would you know where to rank this in, in, in terms of the album? Right now, it might be too early to say, but right now I've been basically mm-hmm. listening to it on loop for the last couple of weeks. Um, like I do this thing where I, I, know, I don't know if you're the same way, Kevin, but I, or, or even you, Angel, with the stuff you listen to where if I get a new album or I get a new thing, I'll just play it basically ad nauseum for like two or three weeks. And then once it starts tapering off, I kind of go, well, let's see. 
I'm starting to start listening. I'm starting to start to listen to other stuff again. Does, where does that mean I rank this album? Because if I listen to, let's say, Run the Jewels 3 for a month straight, mm-hmm. and I only listen to this for two weeks straight, what does that mean? And it doesn't necessarily mean it's better or worse because like, you just get – there just be a sense of exhaustion just from hearing the same thing over and over. But right now I have not stopped looping it. So I take that as a very good sign. Um, where I would rank it overall, I'm harder to say, but I think as of this moment I put it above – Three and three used to. Be, I guess I put it on top of my list for now because three. I actually really really liked what came out. I know a lot of fans consider it weaker, um, but I really liked it at the time. Like two and three are probably mm, about neck and neck, but right now four is above them. Um, and one just because yeah, I listened I to think, it the last the least is uh, down at the bottom just because I'm not as familiar with it. I think b- before this album came out, I think the the general consensus was like uh, two one three mm, in terms mm-hmm. of yeah. Uh, and not saying that three is a bad album, like. Even their weakest album is still like an eight out of ten. Yeah, but it's just you know two two definitely had like kind of the more focus that four has. One, um, mm-hmm. God, I need to listen to one more. It's really my takeaway from this conversation. Yeah, same. <laughs> but same. yeah, and, and and I don't I don't know if iTunes has it, but but uh, the first album they released the, the instrumentals. Oh, cool. Which which I think is is like really dope. I don't know why they haven't done it for for the other album. Did they release just the um, meowing with nothing else from two? Like just meow isolated no, meows? No, they no? Did not. okay. No. Uh, that's disappointing and, and 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 it might be due to recency bias but i think yeah rtj4 is probably my favorite yeah. album followed by two and then one and three are neck and neck for me but right but yeah so yeah that's right yeah I'm four thinking. the takeaway is four is very good like very good four is very good yeah. especially during these times mm-hmm. well unfor- for unfortunate reasons yeah um, but it's great that like you know, we have people saying these things in like mainstream music because RTJ is like really blown up. Like they're, I wouldn't say they're like you know top of the chart mainstream, but they are well known. Like they're not going to pop up on Power 106 or something necessarily, but they are extremely right. big now. So to be able to for them to have this platform at this size now, kind of a like silver lining, blessing in disguise sort of situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm super excited that uh, they were the very first ones to uh, to be shown in that cyberpunk. Uh, music. Yeah. Yeah, and Adult Swim's been a huge backer of them for years too. So, like they they are very intertwined with our various like little subcultures we're part of, for like a better way of putting it, like the yeah. gaming world and the adult animation, shall we say, world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was a uh, RTJ four for you guys. Uh, in uh, now for some more tonal whiplash, <laughs> Angel. Damn. You have your light in April. Yep. Can I really quick before he says that? So you know what this feels like? You know how like in a movie you like build up to a climax and the climax something crazy happens and you come back down to something more like comfortable and you end it on the comfortable note? I feel like that's what we just did this episode. <laughs> like we built – we did like comfortable things. That's like, oh, crazy thing. Now back to comfort because we want you to be happy yeah, at the well, end of the yeah. day. We, we got to <laughs> end it on a, on a higher Exactly. Note. So sorry, Andrew. I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. I mean obviously, yeah, coming back from that, this is not as intense. But that's not to say that this also isn't a – very heavy anime. Um, I don't know. I know I talked about this in the last episode. How I guess I'm kind of going through like a like a drama phase. Slice of life. Yeah, because I no. talked about Silver Spoon and how that's like a very simple anime about just just someone going to an ag- agricultural high school and like nothing too crazy happens, but it does kind of get real at some points with like bringing in financial troubles and stuff that you don't really see a lot in anime. But I definitely. I feel like right now, I think I just really wanted to watch these kinds of shows just because I did go through a very heavy action period right before this. Like, I was really into Demon Souls. My Hero Academia is going on. And I was even watching Fire Force, which for its really amazing choreographed action scenes that were like, man, that was awesome. But 
and everything else around that was also like kind of like aggressively average so mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to recommend it but overall though like i mean those like they're all ongoing shows and i love demon Souls. i mean but this one you're lying april demon slayer what's up demon slayer, oh, yeah. <laughs> demon slayer. Demon yes because yeah <laughs> um yeah demon slayer that demon souls remasters though yeah. Boy, am I excited. But, yeah, it's Demon Slayer. I do love Demon Slayer, though. Like, that one, I really do love it. But, yeah, this one, Your Lion April, is probably... I, I, I can't call it my favorite anime right now. Like, my favorite, all-time favorite anime. But it was, def- like, after watching it and just kind of reflecting on it, it definitely easily, easily takes the spot of, like, my favorite anime drama. I'll just call it that. Because... Yeah, because I mean, I as much as I love Yakitaki Japan, like that's just like a straight up comedy. Like I go to it anytime I just want to laugh, and I'll go to like Mob Psycho 100 anytime I want to see like crazy action. Oh, I love Mob. Like that show is just like amazing for what it does, like in its art direction. But this one, like you come to this one if you just want to come for, I don't know, I guess for the feels, for lack of a better term. But uh-huh. yeah, so this one is it's a coming of age story about getting past trauma and loss. As you would, um, it stars the the premise that it sets up. It's definitely the at least with the main character is probably the most like uh, fictional part of it, just because there's like a weird time period where. Uh, Alright, I'm just getting to it. So the main character, um, he is a piano prodigy. Like he since he was like five years old, he's been able to play the piano like a professional because his mom is like a very strict pianist, and. He pretty much becomes like world famous, and I guess from ages like six to eleven, he was pretty much just taking the world by storm, just by going to performances and destroying every like the competition. And he was like the envy of a ton, and he also inspired like so many people to take on the piano. But and this is like still just in the first episode, it's establishing. And unfortunately, his mom passes away from a sickness. It's kind of implied it's like a type of cancer or something. But she was also kind of horrifically abusive towards them. Like, if he made any kind of mistake while playing the piano when they were practicing, she would literally beat him. Like, almost to the point of, like, passing out or, like, bleeding out. And Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of intense. And you could tell that left a scar on him because after the passing, um, anytime he's playing the piano, like, at a professional level or, like, for a concert or for a tournament at some point as he's playing he just can't hear the notes anymore and I just love how they portray that like essentially it just feels like um, the world is just getting flooded and all of a sudden you just hear the sound of the keys hitting the wood but it's not like the sound that the piano makes you know it's just like ivory on nothing it just feels like muted and essentially like his piano just starts getting sloppy and he just can't do it and essentially he just can't get over I guess the death of his mom and he just it's just kind of stuck in time and he eventually meets someone who he's supposed to be playing wingman for for one of his friends this girl that plays the violin and she ends up just like kind of forcing him to get back into playing the piano and you kind of see him just kind of grow as a person and just kind of you know just realize that he has to grow out of that and just move on with his life otherwise it's just gonna go past him and I really love like I don't know. I guess it, just the way they did it, I just love those kind of messages. It just, it's very feel good because it makes you mm-hmm. kind of reflect and realize, like, man, like, life is kind of short and 
do I really want to spend the whole time like just kind of I don't know, just dwelling on what went wrong instead of you know what kind of makes me happy even if it means I guess in his case like continuing to play the piano at all and doing something else or maybe it is just playing the piano again but maybe in his own way and not the very strict way that his mom made him play and man if you love classical music like you will love the show just because the amount of detail and attention they give to the piano playing is i mean i've never seen a show like this um actually well to be fair i guess it's kind of like the other like like the bread anime i've seen the cooking anime i've seen like they definitely give that same amount of attention to detail to i guess the equivalent of piano playing because you definitely hear a bunch of classical pieces and i guess kind of like fantasia they they attach like a lot of like thematic moments to a lot of these pieces so you kind of see like oh like when he's playing this piece it's kind of a reflective of his relationship with his mama when he's playing this piece it kind of shows how he's like falling in love and like, he kind of plays higher but they're all like super catchy and just i don't know i mean i like i said i love the piano and i love listening to the violin they're probably like my two favorite like instruments to just listen to um so that might be a little biased but yeah, I just. I, I feel like I could second you. You sent me a few of the songs to check out, like just by themselves without the context of the show. And yeah, they're. I mean, I'm not necessarily a piano or violin enthusiast, but you're not. It's not your bias there. They are good. Mm-hmm. And like, not even to mention that um, one of the pieces they play at some point just happened to be like when I was listening to it, I was like, oh, this is the Sleeping Beauty theme. And the, I know, yeah, Once Upon a Dream. And then that's actually when I looked it up, and that's when I found out that it actually predates the the Disney movie by many, many years. And that's how we found that out. And I was like, oh, Disney. Shattering Disney dreams. It's too brute. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, the, it's, it's weird. Like, I feel like on my first viewing, I mean, the anime is only 24 episodes long. And it, I think most people will enjoy it. I mean, there is like kind of a heavy romance plot point to it i wouldn't say it's like the center of it but it is kind of what's kind of driving the plot forward but i mean at the heart of it it is about like i said about loss and grief and trauma but yeah after i finished the show um i i definitely felt like i really like that show i like i definitely want to rec- like oh. watch it with my sister but then i rewatched like the last episode like just rewatched it just i guess now having now seeing how it ends and having i guess the full picture for whatever reason, I guess ever since I started going back and listening to the music, damn, like it it destroyed me. Like I don't know, like uh-huh. it almost got like a second wind of like just how I guess for lack of a better just how beautiful I thought like this anime was. Like like it actually like brought me to tears so many times. And it still actually does. Like right. I'll actually listen to the soundtrack on loop. It's literally just classical piano music. Like literally I even bought the soundtrack actually straight from Japan, and it's funny because it's just like I guess they're pi- I guess piano covers of the original. Like there's Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata in there, but it's like a a rendition that's way faster that I never heard before. I I could like I guess now that I know that it is Moonlight Sonata, I could kind of hear it in there, but Moonlight Sonata is super slow, and you know, dun, dun, mm-hmm. dun, most people know that one. Um, but yeah, I'll listen to those and like I don't know, they just kind of give me that like. So much joy to hear but also like they just make me so sad because they remind me of the show and it just like yeah they just bring me to tears especially the ending and 
and I know like part of it does have to do with the fact that I can relate to a lot of stuff that happens um, for better or worse and obviously that will affect me more than it would someone else that hasn't experienced like a loss like that but even so like man, just like the way like a lot of the characters are portrayed are just done so well and they're just so likable and just like very not over the top like some are but never to the point of other animes where you're just kind of annoyed by them it just felt like yeah that is what a character would do but and i really loved it like i would really recommend it if you just want to see i mean if you love piano and you were into watching like a more chill anime that's uh you know more of a drama and less of a high action then i would definitely recommend it also side note the yeah, I never thought I would ever notice lips so much in an anime. This is like the only anime I've ever seen where like they draw the lips or they shade them in in such a way that they just really stand out on a, like almost every character. Because normally, you know, the lips oh. are just like one straight line, but they actually, everyone has like yeah. defined lips. But I just really quickly, like if you ended up really, uh, I mean, if you end up really enjoying this one, I would really recommend you check out Anohana, the flower that we saw that day, which is made by the same studio, A1 Studio. And yeah, that's another story about loss, but it's more about redemption and like kind of dealing with like regret. And that one's also can that one's also like a tearjerker. That one that one did get me at the end, but that one's kind of like you kind of sit. That was eleven episodes too, so maybe you might want to check out that one first. But it's like it builds up all the way to the final episode where you get like this just really nice emotional payoff. But yeah. I, I think uh, I think I'm gonna go back to something a little more actiony or comedic for my next um, anime. I think um, I hit my I think I got my my satisfaction for them. You got your quota. Your fill. yeah, I got my fill for now. I, I don't think I think my heart can only take so much. Although after the fact, I guess after having seen these, I did look up some lists of like oh top ten like saddest animes, and sure enough, like both of them were on there. But there is like hmm. a number oh. one that has been consistent throughout the board that I constantly keep hearing is like uh, almost masochistic to go through. So maybe I'll. Oh, Jesus. So definitely, obviously, going to check that one out, but definitely not right now. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, I'm going to do because, that. Because, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the same, like, the same thrills I get from action, the same kind of stress I get from suspense and, like, thrillers, and, like, that same kind of high I get. It's like the same kind of high I get when I like when I'm brought to tears from like a drama. It's like I don't know. It's like I just love that, but I kind of feel like the tear jerkiness or like the I guess that emotion I get from dramas is almost a little stronger than the thrills I get from those other ones. Or you know, you humor. Uh-huh. I guess it's just. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I guess sadness and crying is like it's definitely a more powerful feeling sometimes. I mean, sometimes you do cry <laughs> because like you're just yeah, so it's happy. More of a... It's just I, yeah. I mean, if if a cartoon can make me do that, or an anime, I mean, if any film or any story can make me do that, then, I mean, I just love that. It's, I mean, God, like Coco, Jesus, and a bunch of other <laughs> stuff. But then again, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't, most people that know me will know that it doesn't take a lot to bring me to tears. I mean, I could listen to Gusty Garden Galaxy, the song on, like on a car ride home and, it'll, and that'll bring me to tears just because it just makes me so happy to hear it or I just love it that much. But, and that's just a Mario game. Yeah. So versus something as heavy yeah, as this. Yeah. yeah. I guess I don't know. Maybe I take my a lot of things I'm into. Just I just get really into them. I guess I don't know. 
I don't really. You wear your emotion on your sleeve. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's absolutely nothing, yeah. nothing wrong with that. Oh yeah. Uh, Damn. The the only thing that I have to add to Lion April, and and this might this is is totally uh, inappropriate, but <laughs> that's a good preface. The, the the only time that I've ever heard your your Lion April is when um, I listen to this uh, podcast where they're sponsored by Crunchyroll. I, I assume you watch it on Crunchyroll. Um, yeah, it's also on Netflix though. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, they're they're uh, so the these guys that host this podcast they're not anime people. They were just sponsored by him, and so uh, the guy reading off the ad is reading uh, reading off all these names like uh, "Girls und Panzer," I guess is one of them about girls in a tank, uh, <laughs> and then like Zatch Bell, and then you see you hear one of the guys in the background go Zatch Bell. There, no, that's not a real anime. And the the one that always gets me is when when he goes, "You're lying, April," and then and then. Uh, one of the one of the cast members, his name is uh, Ryan Ryan Scott, and he's got like this unusually high pitched voice, like very nasally, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, like, and they all and all his cast members make fun of him for it. And so when he goes, "You're lying, April," one of the other guys goes, "Hey, that's my wife." <laughs> that's uh, that's uh, it's like I, that's I, just I, always what you associate with the it. link. It, it's it's it. <laughs> listen, man. Sometimes no. I, I just like I just like the follow up of it's just really powerful emotional anime. It really like just hearing the music affects me deeply. But there's a your wife joke. <laughs> but, no, yeah, I know it's just funny. The juxtaposition's funny. No, yeah, it's funny that that's literally the only association you have. <laughs> well, well, it's it's funny because like I'm sure that those guys have no idea. Oh, of course like, not. Yeah. What 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 a powerful anime. Yeah. Uh, but that's true of like, especially like podcast. That's why we don't have Raid Shadow Legends, guys. Because if you have to do ad copy for podcasts, tonally it's so weird. <laughs> like you're promoting things you don't know about, unless you're telling me you're secretly Raid Shadow Legend fans. But yeah, or Raid is it Raid or Rage? Raid. I don't even know. R A I D. Raid. I was saying Rage, like, like raid. against the machine. Raid. The machine being ad copy raid. in this case. Anyway, that might mind me. Continue. <laughs> right. Uh, so Angel, you said that you want to get into want to go back to uh, action animes oh yeah right. so definitely need a so does uh promare uh is promare a good uh good transition oh, it, it, it was definitely like just what i what i definitely needed like i was like the the palette cleanser. oh yeah like i i watched that movie initially with my brother sometime last year but we like me being me like i i took it to the wrong theater um, we got we got to, we got to Cinemark like at the time it was supposed to start like you know five minutes before we would have made it in time, but we're like oh we're in the wrong Cinemark we have to go to the one in Carson and I think we were in the and we went to the Downey one, so when we got there we missed like the first like twenty five ish minutes of the movie, and and we were like all right maybe it's just going to be exposition or something, but yeah I mean that that movie and I mean now and. I mean, I did buy the Blu-ray. Like, I got my nice steel book, and I did watch what I missed. And I was like, "Damn, I, I missed. <laughs> we missed a lot. Like, we missed a really yeah, awesome yeah, action yeah. scene. Like, that movie just oozes style. And it definitely—it's one of those like yes. awesome reminders of why action in anime, I feel, is not really something you see. I mean, to that level. I mean, I don't know. I I, I can't really think of too many like Western examples of like super crazy fight scenes that make me go like 
Jesus, that was awesome. Like, I could think of, like, Attack on Titan, Malfaka 100, some Demon Slayer stuff, oh. even stuff from Naruto. And then I'm trying to think of, like, Western stuff, and I'm just kind of drawing a blank where I was left, like, kind of mind-blown of how awesomely choreographed something was. Maybe, like, Spider-Verse? I mean, that movie, like, looked awesome, but... I guess, um... I guess a lot of people point to uh, Avatar, Last Airbender, and Legend of Korra for, like, good choreographed, good choreographed like, <laughs> That Western, is true. I mean, that is a Western one, but Western it was also, like, shows. it's, like, inspired by, obviously, it's, like, a heavily inspired anime show. Oh, yeah. It's Even, a, like, Teen Titans. By anime, yeah. I mean, like, that also has a very inspired anime, but, I mean, I want to see something animated the way, like, Western animation is animated, because that has its very own style that's really awesome. I mean, I'd love them both, but... I just haven't seen something to that extent. I just don't think action thing. is as relevant, not as relevant, but Western animation doesn't do action in the, in the same mean, way. Like, yeah, it's not, more... that's why. It's very, like, honestly, a better analogy, not even <laughs> on the same <laughs> level, is like Fury Road, like Mad Max Fury Road. I know it's live action, but that was all very meticulously choreographed. And if you watch it, it's kind of just like all over, like all this crazy stuff happening. That's honestly, from what you're saying, I haven't seen this, but it sounds more analogous than anything that Western animated show's ever done. Yeah, and I mean, some with yeah. uh, I mean, I mean, like freaking um, primal, like I mean, that has like really cool action. But I mean, I I want like over the like way over the top. I mean, like Studio Trigger is like one of the masters of just taking like like they don't know what their limit is on like what how far you can take a fight. I mean, yeah. this is like anime let's, the movie. Let's, <laughs> yeah, let's talk. Let's talk about uh, just the background a little bit. Yeah, Studio Trigger is the is the or the their production company, yeah. the the animation house, what the studio. Yeah, Studio Trigger. Yeah, right. yeah, Studio Trigger. Yeah, so, uh, so this movie was directed by, by uh, the founder of of Studio Trigger, who also directed one of my favorite enemies of all time, Gurren Lagann. Did you did you ever see Gurren Lagann? I watched most of it, and mm-hmm. I did see kind of like the ending of it, just because I haven't seen it in one take, basically. But mm-hmm. I've seen like enough of it. To, oh well, yeah. Well, the the ending of it is definitely like like you said really really over the top um and you can see some of the the inspiration from the from that show into here uh if not you don't have to see the entire thing they did release uh two movies which basically you know capture like all the important oh, stuff of so each, like the evangelion stuff uh yeah sort of like that but uh but even the ending is like very heavily uh is is like even more over the top than what mm-hmm. the anime did awesome. and the 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 ending of the anime was already really really over the top so um so this promare it's it's like a mix of gurn Lagan and uh fire force which you you yeah, it's like you a better fire force <laughs> yeah and and i only saw the first two episodes of fire force so but but yeah so but it's also just a very it's very much a mecha anime movie like yeah right or, or would you consider it more action than mecha? Uh, I mean, it's definitely like a mecha action movie, but yeah. Uh, true, Because, yeah. I mean, the mecha... Well, actually, no. Uh, I was going to say, like, oh, like, I mean, they're pretty small, but then, yeah, it, it goes... It gets really crazy. Yeah, and, like, the entire movie looks amazing. Uh, it has some some crazy, like, awesome visuals. The animation's awesome. The... Like even the 3D stuff, which is usually pretty hit or miss, I I feel like they hit it a hundred percent in this mm-hmm. movie. 
Uh, there, there's a term for that, yeah, the, right? Well, it's the like art direction, 3D CG, or it's just called 3D CG. Right? Yeah, I think that's what they use. Yeah, 3D CG. I mean, it's actually uh, 3D. I mean, the, it's just like heavily cell shaded, but they just made it look really nice. And I mean, yeah, the colors are just like super vibrant. Mm-hmm. Like it's just a really pretty movie to look at. And I also just love how, like, all the fire is portrayed as like triangles, and all the reflective light is portrayed as squares. Yeah. Like it's just very, it's a very stylish movie. Like it just kind of reminds me of. Like mm-hmm. Spider Verse, how that movie had like a, like a very distinct visual style that you're like, oh, like that looks very Spider Versey, Spider Versey, like this. Right. Yeah. I love the, I love the little touches of like whenever a new character or a new group was introduced, they put like the huge letters oh, the of, name. of like their name in the background, mm-hmm. and even the the mechs got them, and I think I only caught this once, but the, but the names actually like interacted with the background. Uh, I don't know if you saw that. I, Towards towards the end, where uh, oh man, I don't, uh, did you? I guess I don't remember the. I guess that part specifically for the ending because I only rewatched the beginning. But uh, right, I did think it was weird when um, I guess maybe not weird, but like how they introduced their names in the background when they were showing like a TV broadcast of them mm-hmm. later, like that same yeah. name thing popped up in the back. I'm like, wait, th- that was like that actually happened in real life and that was recorded. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like it, it's uh, that movie you... definitely that kind of humor though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you see the English dub or the Japanese um, dub? Japanese dub. Like when in the theater it was the Japanese. Yeah. Dub? Well, yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah. So, yeah. so I saw the. Yeah, so I saw the English dub. Uh, I mean, the the English cast was mostly fine. It, it wasn't that bad. Like I didn't recognize the the main character uh, Gallo. Mm-hmm. I didn't recognize his voice actor, but. Like, they already made him look like Kamina from Gurren Lagann. Yeah, blue so hair and everything. So, why not just get Kamina's voice actor? Uh, and so, the other main character, Leo, I couldn't figure out who he was voiced by. But apparently, he was voiced by Johnny Young Bosch, who is mainly known for voicing Ichigo from Bleach. Huh. And was also, like, the original Black Ranger in uh, Mighty Morphin Wait, Power Rangers. Wait, that dude, damn. I met but so I, many attempts at animes, though. Yeah. Wait, but, wait, like, a Power Ranger? He was the main character. Yeah, he was a Power Ranger. Huh. He, he got into into voice acting uh, a long time ago. Yeah, but but like he voiced the, the second main character, the the first, I guess, I guess he was like the, the beginning antagonist. Yeah, before you, uh, the movie kind of takes a turn pretty early on too, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, really. Uh, I, I thought it, that was a little tropey of like, well, spoilers for Promare, but but it's the kind of thing of like the two rivals got to team up together to stop the mutual enemy kind of mm-hmm. thing. But I mean, I like I still enjoyed it. Uh, some other voices that were in there was like Kari Walgren, uh, who voices Haruno from uh, Fully Cooley. I don't know if you ever saw Fully oh, Cooley. I did watch uh, Fully Cooley. I haven't watched the yeah sequel show, but I haven't really heard a lot. Oh of... man, I saw. Is it? worth watching yeah i saw the first i saw the first one no it's not it was so disappointing mm. uh and i saw the first three episodes of the second one and i was like no i just can't get into this yeah i don't know what it is about the first one but uh, it was just kind of like lightning in a bottle but yeah absolutely um i could have sworn that when i saw the trailer this wasn't taking place on earth i thought it was like some post-apocalyptic world so i was like super surprised when it took place on earth and like <laughs> Not like the opposite. future, but but yeah, it was like, huh, weird. This is just taking place in like regular civilization. Mm-hmm. It's approaching what could That's have that, been a post the Earth, I guess. Earth, what they're trying to escape. Yeah, toward definitely towards the end. And man, did did Fire Force come out way before this? 
like the did the manga of Fire Force come up maybe way before this? Because uh, like, how do you not just? I mean, because there there are a lot of parallels to it. Um, yeah, yeah right? like the same kind of thing happens. Like some people, like I mean, spontaneously, yeah, combust. like the premise essentially that in both sides, like people just spontaneously combust, and some of them either just straight up. Well, I guess in this one, people don't just straight up die. They just essentially, it's like a mutation. It's basically X Men, except everyone has fire powers. Yeah, and then the other one, people either die or they become these like hell demons, and they both have like a firefighting rescue team that's specifically sent out to stop these very specific fire people because it's you know it's different from a normal fire. It requires a little more force, a fire force, if you will. But yeah, <laughs> fire force. Yeah, well done, um, well done. Uh, I I really loved at the end where um. They, after, after, oh, what's it, Gallo saves Leo when, when Leo's in, like, that dragon oh, form. Oh, uh-huh. And they, and they get dropped off in that lake, that, like, robot, his, its name is, like, Deus. <laughs> and then he's like, I'm going to give you this, the Deus Ex Machina. I was like, okay, well, I mean, literally the, yeah. the, 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 the solution to all their problems is literally called the Deus Ex Machina, but. I don't know. I, I had a I had a good time watching I mean, it. I wish I had seen it in theaters. Yeah, I mean that movie. I mean it doesn't take it so seriously. So being like that on the nose, like you definitely just get like a little chuck out of it. You're like, oh, of course. But yeah. and, and it's funny. It's it's got the same like humor that Gurren Lagann has. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, like I would say like especially the main characters got. I'd, I'd probably just huge say like vibes. at most like character design wise, I feel like it takes a lot from like Kill the Kill. Like I feel like a lot of characters kind of look like. They just have the same, like, body type, just, like, kind of through mm-hmm. big upper bodies and just, like, scrawny limbs. But, right. but yeah, like, that movie, like, I feel like a lot of the action, especially, like, towards the end, like, definitely, like, just needed to be seen in theaters. I mean, it's kind of like how I, like, I know, like, if you guys saw Spider-Verse in theaters, like, that's, like, a movie you really oh, want to yeah. see on a huge screen. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. I wish I had seen that in uh, Dolby, uh, Dolby Vision 2. That probably would have been mm-hmm. somehow I fell into a screening of that. Like I wasn't planning to, but we saw I saw it in like it had like Dolby Atmos and like the 4K screen and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I was like, oh, this was lucky because I didn't expect you know I didn't know Spireverse would require something like that. Not require it, but benefit mm-hmm. that much. It really yeah. did. But uh, yeah, visually visually striking animate movies are her. Like, can you think of another one that that looks this good? I mean, like not. In this particular stuff, but like that other movie I talked about, like um, Princess Kaguya, like I felt like that one also just has like a very uh-huh. distinct, like this awesome like art style that just kind of like just kind of goes all the way with it. And honestly, like a lot of Ghibli films just kind of like go this route, but in a more hyper realistic way instead of this very uh-huh. like very nice over yeah. top action crazy. Uh, there aren't anime. too many like that, unfortunately. Like I mean. I would definitely say, like, check out Metropolis. That's, like, another just, like, really nice-looking film. But this one just has, like, way more style. Like, it's, like, I don't know. It it just has, a, like, its way own identity, which is really cool. Yeah, I, I I like it when, when yeah, they have their own identities. But I, I hate when, like, you saw you saw the, uh, the My Hero Academia movie, right? No, I still have to watch it. Oh, not not the new one, the, the first no, one. I both. 
<laughs> oh, you haven't seen both? Okay, so what I really about, hate but... about that movie, what I really hate about that movie is that it just looks like an episode of the TV show. It's like they put almost like no work. Oh, okay. Only, only at the end. Uh, yeah, like, I feel like sometimes so. can't that can't that also go the other way though? Like I feel like sometimes, um, like with the Pokemon movies, obviously different quality of anime, but the Pokemon movies, like I remember when I saw them in theaters, I'd be like, oh, there's random 3D things shoved in here because they need to make it a movie. Yeah, Even I mean, as a kid, it's it stuck out as almost worse. I mean, in like, some instances. yeah, like yeah, I know what you mean. Like usually when you go to a movie, you expect to to see like better quality, and sometimes like you know they get a bigger budget for it, so. Like in Pokemon's case, like sometimes that just meant the characters get shading, and yeah. you get like a few 3D assets here and there. But like, I mean, this definitely felt like a movie and not like a TV show. And yeah, that's kind of disappointing yeah, to absolutely. hear that. Yeah, like My Heroes. I mean, well, well, that one, yeah, that one was released theatrically too. So that is kind of weird. Yeah, they're they're both were. Yeah, but but like the the Naruto movies, some of them look amazing compared to the tv show yeah, that's true although they do have some that also like look the, the animation is much more fluid mm -hmm. oh yeah there are some that do look bad too so i don't know you get it's a hit or miss with anime movies it is funny because like, from for like tv shows but it's funny because like a lot of independent stuff like this is uh, looks usually awesome it's funny because like the business of anime sometimes it feels like they try to be as like as money pinching as possible in every shot that they do just so they can squeeze in as much as they can like of that money into like all their action shots which is probably why they come out the way they do and they're so like over the top just because like i mean one of the best examples is probably evangelion where you have so many scenes where it's just a static image and nothing's happening but then the very few times they have action cool. like it looks really really cool but then i mean right. like you, you could see where they're cutting corners and also, it's also really nice when you get them. I mean, that's probably why it's better in movies, especially like this one where the action just keeps coming and like it never really feels like it's trying to skimp on you. But true, yeah, it's one of the things. So, I mean, yeah, everybody watch Promare. It's even if you don't like anime, it's a it's a super slick uh, action movie, mm -hmm. robot action movie. Yeah, it's definitely a good popcorn uh, I flick, think... as people would call it. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, with that, we've hit the two-hour mark. Almost uh, exactly. I think, yeah, almost. Uh, well, a little past two hours. But uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it for this episode, unless uh, we missed anything that you gentlemen want to talk about. I don't about. think so. I think that was a solid two hours of what we've been up to. All right, perfect. Uh, so let's call it there. Uh, let us know what you thought about this episode, either in the comments or uh, on Twitter at randomintendo.com. Dot com. Nope. Random Nintendo. <laughs> nope. <com>. Nope. <laughs> Third time's charm, Kevin. Uh, at Random Nintendo on Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Google Podcasts, Stitchers. We are Random Nintendo Com on YouTube. Uh, you can follow us on our individual Twitter accounts. Jason is at JSR7. Oh, man. I didn't write it down this week. Uh, Angel is. Wero underscore O W E I R O underscore O. Yep, and it's Wero, but yeah, <laughs> Wero, Wero. All right, and uh, I'm uh, Kevin Gomi, uh, K V N G O M I E. Uh, yeah, that, that'll do it for this episode. Uh, and we've had it 
for these last two weeks. All right, Jason, Jason, Jason's just going to do the, the, the final word for these episodes. Can I put in a request instead of a word? Can we make our own Run the Jewel style TV show outro and just insert it? Is no, that the final word? Nope. Damn. All right. Nope. Wow. Is that my final word? That's okay. Bye, everyone. Nope. <laughs> <laughs>